Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cinematic Underdogs. We are here with the 100th episode dropping on you like it's hot. I'm your host, Jordan Puga. And I'm your other host, Paul Keelan. And we have a huge group with us today, an all-star cast of a bunch of awesome co-hosts that we've shared many episodes with. I think everyone on our podcast tonight has been on Cinematic Underdogs three times at the very minimum. So hat tricks, uh, get them stick taps. <laughs> get them stick taps. We got some hat tricks in the house. But first, before we get to them, I just want to really quickly throw it at you, Jordan. It's been a hundred. It's been a while. We started this right after the pandemic hit. I remember with my laptop juggling a microphone in my hand and trying to like hash out the rules of this. And it's definitely meandered and kind of went on some detours. And we've done some stuff I didn't expect us to do. I thought we would start off, you know, as we did, I thought we would just continue to do the classics to like remember the Titans and Angels in the Outfield sure. and so forth. But we've definitely kind of leaned hard into docuseries and untold series and so forth. And I just wanted to ask you, like, do you have a favorite episode first of a movie podcast we did that was a big surprise or underdog movie? And then of a docu-series. Oh, man. All right. I'm going to start the docu-series one. Because that one was, I think the one with Aaron and the Monty Teo episode was a good one. That was just a fun time, wild episode. We all had such opposite takes for the most part on that one, which made it, I think, even better. And that was kind of like the opening up of our, how much we liked the Untold series and how why, why we kept going, you know, kind of going back to that well. So I'm going to say that one for the docu-series one. For the movie one, that's a hard one. We've had we've had a lot of good ones, like a lot of fun ones. And I'm drunk for a lot of them, so I forget a lot of these too. So I, I gotta be honest with a lot of these. But of the ones I remember, I will say, I think the one we had with Covell, Blood of Champions, I think is what it's called, right? Blood of Champions, complete like B-movie. We talked about way more than I thought we would. And it was one of those ones, again, which just changed my mind, made me a, made me a fan of it as well. So I think that, that'd be that one for me. Yeah, it's tough. All the episodes are so, so good. Uh, I think I want to pick one early, early on for my movie. It was with Jed and it was High Flying Bird. I just thought it was such a fruitful discussion of that movie that illuminated my love for it so much more. Just because it was early on, I think it showed like the potential of what it could be at times. But I love the range too. We have some that are like more laughing the whole time and we have some that are pretty heady. I also, I guess for the other side of the coin for the docuseries with Mikey, I like the Captains and FIFA Uncovered one because we were in the middle of the World Cup. Those are two topics I didn't foresee us like really covering and two worlds I didn't really know much about actually. And it was really interesting to go deep into all all the teams and then all the background and the nitty gritty of how corrupt FIFA is. Mm -hmm. But every episode has been fun in its own right. There is no real winner. And we've had a kick-ass ensemble of guests and we're going to try to introduce everyone one by one so our listeners can also hear like where you're from your podcast if you write or you produce i know we have a producer here shout that out in the beginning so people know who you are and what's up so when they listen to this draft which we're going to be doing we should have introduced that by now we're going to be doing a sports movie draft we're not picking movies we're picking tropes it's going to be really fun but before we get First to time that i'm doing this too i'm stoked for this i'm a, I'm a draft nuke Jordan is a rookie here. I'm going to pick a kicker first. Ooh, even though we're not doing that, but go for <laughs> it. So going through the roundtable, I'll start with Justin, Justin Koo. Justin's been on a few times. First, we talked to Justin. I think I did a solo one with him on The Last Dance. That was one of my favorite ones too, where we got so into continental versus analytic philosophy to start it off. We also did Tokyo Olympiad which is a Criterion documentary on the Tokyo Olympics. It's phenomenal. And we had a blast doing Nacho Libre. That was definitely one of my favorites with Justin and Laura. 
First of all, welcome to the podcast, Justin, and we're stoked to have you. Uh, hey, guys, it's good to be here. Laura is not here because she's asleep, but uh, <laughs> I am here representing the cows in the field. We are very, very stoked to have you. I get it. She's probably tired. East Coast time, so different. I'd be asleep by mm. now, too. So, Justin, we're going to ask everyone this. If you could turn one sports event into a movie, it'll be our little icebreaker. What sports event would it be? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So you gave you gave us this question like two seconds ago, and I was quickly Googling sports events because I was like, I, I don't, I, what do you, what do you mean by sports events? So then I pulled up the list of Olympic events. So I tried to find like a good Olympic event. I don't know if they're uh, like a dressage movie. I feel like that, that's something I haven't seen. So I think like some equestrian dressage movie, I think I could get into that. Um, I don't really know anything about dressage, but uh, that well, then it got me thinking actually that maybe you could combine it. So you do it with you do kind of like an avatar dressage with the like twelve legged horses that they have in Avatar, and then that could be kind of cool. So that's my pick for a sports movie event: Avatar dressage. Wow! All right, cool. Starting off very very unorthodox. There. I love it. Idiosyncratic choice. I would never imagine a dressage movie. So someone's got to get on that love that. Uh, Jordan, you want to introduce someone else to yeah. us tonight? I will introduce Justin Peterson next, who joined us for the Mighty Ducks, Youngblood, Quarterback, and the 10th Victim for some awesome discussions. Justin's been on here a few times. Uh, let's take it away, Justin, to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Justin Peterson from the Average Joe's Movie Club cast. I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I'm just a government kind of working an office job by day, but I definitely enjoy uh, casting and writing about movies. Uh, yeah, I was uh, very tickled whenever uh, Paul uh, first messaged me on Letterboxd and was like, hey, you want to talk about Mighty Ducks? And this was like right as you had just released your first episode. So to actually hear the podcast come together and be like a side like episode to that existing episode was was neat. And then uh, you guys had a song for the uh, the 10th victim, which is, a, I barely remember, it was so, such a weird, artsy, um, Italian, you know, thing. <laughs> but um, it kind of fit on uh, my podcast pretty well, because I'm kind of the artsy guy, and my uh, podcast partner, uh, Joey's more like the uh, the down-to-earth kind of movie guy. So um, yeah, it was kind of uh, fun to square off on that, and then we just riffed really good on a young blood and then told you all about my Vikings fandom. Uh, best wishes to Kirk cousins. Now he's having some pretty tough times now with that Achilles tears, but um, talk about that in quarterbacks. So yeah, I look forward to uh, yeah getting into this draft, seeing some different opinions. I was scratching my head big time on this sports event, but maybe like an American gladiators movie where uh, something becomes haunted and starts maybe eating the gladiators could be fun. Ooh, a hybrid with a horror movie. I love that. The funny thing, too, is if you watch those American Gladiators documentaries, which we did, he's been trying to get an American Gladiators movie made for decades. Mm-hmm. That that was originally what he went to Hollywood to do. And when it failed, it turned into a TV show. He's also like a terminal scab. Like every time Hollywood is on strike, the American Gladiators gets picked up. And so we were curious if it's going to get picked up this year. It's, it's really hilarious. Both years in the late 80s and when was the other strike? I forget mm-hmm. exactly. But both of those years are the years that the original American Gladiators and then the reboot on cable on the yeah. was like on NBC got picked up. And he's still basically walking around Hollywood trying to sell this script he's been doing for ages. And I believe the guy who wrote Galaxy Quest wrote the new one. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds extremely fun and clever and meta. He's on the ESPN 30 by 30 American Gladiators doc, literally trying to pitch the script in the doc. 
it's got a Galaxy Quest-esque storyline of the real American gladiators after the show becoming like superheroes in real life or something. But anyways, Justin, always a blast to have you on. We had some of the most random episodes with you, which in a great way, right? Youngblood did not expect to love that 80s film as much as I did. And The 10th Victim, that that was a high choice in my mind for like my most memorable out of left field episode, right? So artsy, very like Godardian almost, like very new wave, but it's Italian. The colors pop. It's all so creative. But anyways, thanks for coming on. Um, we'll move now to Mikey. What's up, Mikey? What's up, guys? It's uh, great to be back again. And uh really just to talk movies and sports and, and all the good stuff. Agreed, man. Uh, can you tell our listeners, first of all, your podcast, Screen Nerds Pod, and a bit of where they can find you, a bit what you do? Yeah. So uh, as Paul mentioned, I'm host of the Screen Nerds Podcast. I always like to say that it's a podcast for film lovers about loving film and just sharing all the, the goodness that film is, whether it's new films in the theater and giving reviews right out of the right out of seeing them or whether it's re-watching classic films and sharing thoughts and memories on them and you can find it anywhere you get your podcast just search out screen nerds podcast yeah absolutely and for mikey we've had a few episodes what was your favorite episode to do with us i'm just curious because we've done like i said i brought up fifa uncovered i brought up captains and driven like what was your favorite uh, so far i would probably say driven uh, the first one that we did together just because it you know it's a sly film that you know it's off the wall goofy and fun you know it's not one that you would think is high up there on on a favorite list or anything but it's just a fun film and it's a fun film to watch and it's a fun film to discuss and it was a really good first introduction to to y'all and where y'all were in in thinking about the film and different perspectives than how I thought about it. And but it was just we got to share in that fun together. So I always always think that's probably my favorite one so far. Definitely. That movie was a blast as well. Um I feel bad. I didn't ask Justin Koo. Justin, I didn't ask you what your favorite episode to do with us was. Oh, I mean Nacho Libre. I mean <laughs> Nacho Libre rocks of all time. So uh any chance I get to talk about it is great. And I had a great we had, yeah, I mean Laura and I both had a great time chatting with you guys. Yeah, yeah you guys also have like the best like personal anecdote ever given on the podcast for your connection to Lotter Libre in the delivery room. So like again, we are not worthy. But like yeah, that was easily the best drop we've had on here. A strange situation, but one we're proud of. So uh, yeah, so listen to the episode if you want to know what it was. Yeah, yeah. I guess we'll keep delivery room vague, but if you can imagine what he means there. <laughs> um, they had Nacho Libre playing at a very important moment in their lives. It's pretty <laughs> epic. Love that. Mikey, do you have a sport event or team or something that you would turn into a movie if you could? Yeah, and this answer will be a little bit selfish in a way, just because I was at this event. But I would have the Music City Miracle turn into a film. And if you don't know or don't remember that event, it was the 1999 NFL wildcard game between the Buffalo Bills and the Tennessee Titans that had the play, it's called Home Run Throwback, that essentially won the game for the Titans with 16 seconds left. And I was at the stadium. That was my first NFL game. It was the first playoff game, first everything. And getting to watch that live and in person was just a surreal experience. And I just think that would be really cool because there were so many storylines going on because you had Doug Flutie, who had started most of the year for the Bills, who got benched for Rob Johnson. You had the Titans, who the previous year hadn't made the playoffs. 
was, you know, hosting this game. You had Steve McNair, Eddie George, and then the play itself, Kevin Dyson, who scored the touchdown, wasn't even supposed to be on the field on that play. But there are two other players that were ahead of him for that play, but both of them were either injured or unavailable. And so he got stuck in there to to run the play, essentially. And we all know what happened. They scored the touchdown, won the game. And so for me, that would be the event that I'd love to see on a film because there's just so much drama, so much storytelling that you could get out of it. I love that. You were there in person. That is amazing. Yeah, I I've, didn't even remember that game on the top of my head until you brought it up and started to explain it. I saw Matt definitely remembered it. He was mm-hmm. pantomiming it. And uh, Jordan, you want to introduce someone else? Yeah, actually, let's go with Matt. Uh, Matt Blanky next, who's just on our recent episode uh, where we covered The Fan and Two for the Money. We've also covered Sudden Death and an array of poker movies. Quite the collection. But yeah, Matt, go ahead and uh, let our listeners know where they can find you and uh, tell them a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So my name is Matt. I'm a, a lawyer by day and a freelance writer by night, or more so a podcast guest when I uh, bother people in their DMs, then they accept the invitation. That's how both Paul and I relationship and, and Justin's started over the last three to four years. And uh, yeah, I've, I've associate produced a couple indie movies that you can find for free on Pluto or Tubi or, or now Amazon, if you want to check them out. One's called Magnetosphere, or that's coming out. The one that's on Amazon is called Goodbye Petrushka, which has some sports time because it's about a figure skater. But uh, my quick Music City Miracle story. So I was 10 in, in 99, and I remember being in middle school uh, the next day after that happened and all of us like vying for role for uh, different player roles on the team. Like uh, I remember me and my friend Aaron, I was like, I'm going to be Frank Wycheck, who was the tight end during that play. Number 87. We were, I mean, we were diehard Steeler fans. So we kind of knew the Titans from, uh, from playoff matchups, but that game was so iconic that we were like imitating it in the, during recess oh, wow. in the, in the playground the next day. I, I remember that moment vividly, but uh, yeah, my favorite episode that I've been on with you guys is definitely sudden death uh, just as a, as a Pittsburgh native and as a hockey diehard above all other sports, that movie combines everything you want and kind of ratchets up the genre and changes it up a bit because it's a diehard in an X type of movie. Right. And it's a, it's a thriller. Usually with sports movies, it's some sort of biopic or some sort of uh game involved whereas here it's there is a game it's like game seven of the stanley cup final but there are terrorists in a hockey game as, as uh chris pratt once sung on, on a parks direct episode so <laughs> i think that was a deleted episode that they, they didn't let that one fly yeah great movie i also really loved our poker one i love when we do like a collection of movies and one thing that's cool about matt is two of the episodes he's been on he wrote long piece articles on them sudden death was one and the other one was he wrote like an ensemble article or what should I call it? Um, sort of a, a pastiche article of about a bunch of poker movies in one long form piece. That was really cool. So like our homework was intense. I, I went through a ton of poker movies leading up to that. We kind of revolved it around rounders, but like doing a deep dive. One of my favorite subgenres of the sports movie genre was a ton of fun. So we've had a great time. Last but not least, we got Don Shanahan from Cinephile Hissy Fit. He's also a writer. He's got his own website. I'm, you have so much. I'm going to let you shout oh, out. All the sure. <laughs> no, um, you got me first on Cinephile History for the podcasters. Um, I um, am the content uh, supervisor and assistant editor on filmobsessive.com. Um, my own website is everymoviehasalesson.com. 
com because by day I'm a fifth grade school teacher and by night I do this whole Rotten Tomatoes Critics Choice Association film critic thing. So good times, good stuff. I've been on your show three times if I remember correctly. Slapshot, American Underdog, and Moneyball. Um, my favorite of that bunch is easily Slapshot. Come on. Too much fun. I mean, don't get me wrong. Moneyball was really good analytical talk and it was nice to, you know, share our own personal histories with um, American Underdog and Kurt Warner because we were all that age to watch that. But uh, no, Slapshot's just a time capsule and a half. It's just so much fun. I can't yeah. say better. I will say our discussion of American Underdog really made like just brought me around on that movie. Yeah. And I'm such a fan of that movie. And I wasn't until we talked about it. So yeah. mm. um, a sports event to turn into a movie. I'm a Chicagoan. So, I mean, game seven of the 2016 World Series with the rain delay and the lead changes and the late night stuff and, and just, you know, the the history it took to get there and the history made of out of it. That's the one for me. So just game seven of 2016 series. Awesome. I love that. Love the World Series. Love October baseball, even if it bleeds into November. Great choice. Uh, Jordan, you didn't get a pick. What what sports event are you turning into a movie? Oh, man, that's a hard one. Definitely a hard one. I was going to go away from hockey. I was trying to think in like MMA. And the one I was thinking of, I think I'd do like a biopic on Roger Huerta. I don't know if you guys remember him, but he was like the first MMA dude to be on Sports Illustrated before his like mainstream. And he was going to be the next big thing. And if you follow his career, it's kind of sad. Uh, he just kind of fell out the of the he being a journeyman all around the world. And he's had these horrific injuries. And he just like, has this crazy fighting spirit and has somehow stayed relevant. But I think he'd make for a great just biopic, like an actual MMA fire, just the other side of like the guts and glory story of it. So I think a biopic on Roger Huerta would be pretty cool to see. What about you, Paul? Yeah, thanks. Uh, first, I love that, Jordan. I never even heard of him, but I love the way you sold that. I'd be really interested in seeing that. And what's funny about me is when Justin called me out for bringing this up last minute on you guys. I also didn't think of it. I didn't plan it. I was like, holy crap. When I think Mikey was talking, I don't have one yet. So frantically in my mind without Google, because I'm too busy talking and stuff, I thought of the play. I would do a film on the infamous band Stanford, last second Calvert Stanford touchdown return. It's called The Play. And what I would do though, is I would do one of those like late 90s, early 2000s overlapping or interlinked films where you follow like eight different characters. And I would pick eight different people on the band because like there's these different people in the band that were integral to that play happening where they're like blocking people on accident they're just like with their trombone celebrating they're, they're getting knocked over by the linemen and so forth for anyone who doesn't know the band rushes the field thinking the game's over it's not over there's like eight laterals and cal wins and it's also the big rivalry of my alma mater too so there's a little bit of a personal thing there uh -huh. So I would definitely pick that, but I would do it through the lens of following the band and like the eight integral players in the band. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's I, such I, a I, great play. There's like t-shirts that have like, it's almost like a Venn diagram slash like a crazy, like you can imagine like a madman in a math class on a chalkboard, you're trying to figure like the calculus of this thing up. There's like t-shirts that just say the play and have the craziness that goes on. It's very iconic. Anyways. Nice. that would be my choice i'm kind of surprised no one's ever done that it's it's such a thing but uh now we're we're there we've arrived we're at draft time draft day. Um, just so our listeners know we're going to be going in snake-like order we're going to start with justin Koo, then jordan then me then matt b then justin p then mikey then don and then it's gonna snake-like reverse right back we have eight rounds and we're going to pick it in whatever order we personally want to. And I'm going to really quickly talk about the categories. The first category is the best sports biopic film about an individual. So it can't be about a team. That's a very specific distinction. The second one is the best heel or villain in a movie. 
in a sports movie, of course, these are all sports movies. Um, so it could be a coach, opponent. We can get creative there. The third one is the best locker room speech. That's one of my favorite ones I'm looking forward to. The fourth is the best fictional announcer in a movie. You know, they're they're a big part of the the narrative. They give that 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 voiceover monologue to some of the great sports movie events. So we're gonna all choose our favorite announcers in a movie. Uh, number five, the best soundtrack in a sports movie. There's some iconic soundtrack choices to choose from. Number six, best character name or nickname in a sports movie. This one's really fun. Matt thought it up. Thanks, Matt, for thinking that one up. I love that one. Best futuristic race, game show, or sport invented by a movie or for a movie is number seven. We've covered a lot of these, so that's going to be extra fun as well. And last but not least, best romance in a sports movie, because there's definitely a great synthesis and fusion between romance and sports, um, whether it's like the coach's significant other or the player's significant other or like a broadcaster or a news reporter. There's lots of juicy love stories in sports movies. All right. Without further ado, we are ready to go. I'm excited. Justin, you are first. Are you ready? Are you excited to be first? Are you, do you yeah, feel nervous? Uh, quick question on the rules. Yeah. Yeah. If somebody drafts something, mm-hmm. is it off the table? Like we're doing off the table draft or off right? the table okay. draft? Yes. Yeah, so. so like right. if you take Rudy and biopic, Rudy can't be chosen in other categories. No. So Rudy it, could get chosen in another category. Like right? music. Yes. All right. Well, then, yeah. Then that, what do you mean by off the table then, Justin? I just meant for that category. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got the spreadsheet and I'll play like cross offer and I'll kind of like ding you. I'll, in fact, I'll use the NFL history for bell. If you make a mistake, I'll stop you right there and say, I'm sorry, that one's been already been taken. Pick your choice and what category you put it in, because that's the part I'm logging and playing housekeeper on as the school teacher of the bunch. All right. So no, no pressure, no pressure. But you know what? I'm going to start. All my picks are going to be weird. I mean, OK, so I'm going to start off with best sports biopic about an individual. And I'm going to choose one that Paul already knows where this is going, I think. I'm going to choose one that I think isn't going to be on anybody's board. So it doesn't really matter. But I'm just going in the order that I wrote them down. And I'm going to choose Searching for Bobby Fischer. The biopic is about Josh Waitzkan. Now, so this is 1993 Steve Zalian film. Steve Zalian also who, uh, you know, more more famous as a screenwriter. But uh, he wrote this film. We covered it on Cows in the Field. I think I it's my favorite movie of 93. It's a movie. It's a year that contains the, you know, movies like Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and so on. But, you know, I really like this movie. And so it's a movie about uh, it's basically it's a movie about a chess prodigy and um, a real real life guy, this guy, Josh Waitzkin. And uh, the reason I'm, I'm going for it is because I loved it as a kid. And I loved it because I liked chess as a child and and this was fun for me. And I watched this probably at the exact age that Josh Waitzkan was uh, in the film. But now I'm a parent and it's I realized, oh, yeah, when you're a parent, this is a movie about being the parent of a prodigy. And what do you do about that? How do you nurture young talent? Well, at the same time, kind of allowing them to have a normal life and be a real human being that can be a well-adjusted person in the world. And so it's like one of these movies that has like grown on me. even though I loved it as a child. It's like it remains one of my favorite movies. And so I'm picking that searching for Bobby Fischer sports biopic. All right. Love it. Not even on my board. Not gonna yeah, I forgot about that movie. I was yeah, like, same. Drop. Yeah. Nice hit there. Great hit. One of the best moments in our podcasting history. No one is going to be able to know unless I articulate it is Don was literally 
mouthing Jurassic Park and Schindler's List at the exact moment that Justin was bringing them up. It was a great moment. Serendipity there was on. <laughs> Those are par. great movies. No, yeah. no, 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 no shade. I just love this. Movie. You called it the best of '93. I'm like, I saw Matt go, wow, like mouth it out of his mouth, like, well, you're gonna go there in '93. All right, okay. It's a good year. And- it is good year. You love both Jurassic Park and Schindler's List and, you know, other movies in 93. But the other thing I love about uh, Search of Broad Fisher, it's a movie that doesn't get made today, right? This is something a lot of people talk about right now, uh, you know, in the, like, film podcast mm-hmm. world. Movies like this, it would be a TV show and it would be a, let's be frank, it'd be a shitty TV show or, you know, miniseries or something. And I'm just so glad it's a movie and uh, great performances. And quick shout out, you have a great episode on that. So check out Cows in the Field for an early episode on that. I've listened to it in full. Awesome choice to start it off. Jordan, you are next. You are on the board. Okay. Try to read our our group here and like what what would they pick? That's kind of like high hanging fruit, I'm guessing. Get that first. I know Don's the all American movie guy. So watch out. Gotta watch out for those ones. But I also gotta watch out for Paul because we have a lot of very similar tastes. I feel like we're gonna be like sniping each other on these. He oh, picks after you, some these so watch ones. out. All right, so I'm going to start with, I'm going to go with best locker room speech, because I feel like there's only one locker room speech, right? If we were really, like, look at this, like, there's, like, a number one, like, who's your unicorn on your fantasy roster? I got to go with Al Pacino's speech in any given Sunday. There is no other speech. In fact, we got that god-awful commercial with, like, Serena Williams doing the speech. And I like Serena Williams, but she cannot do that speech. Like, no. There's only one one delivery of that speech, and it is Al fucking Pacino. So I'm going to take that as my first-round pick. I yes. get it, man. Same category. I get it. Dude, you definitely snipe me with that. And I knew it was coming. I love it. The inches by inches speech is fucking iconic. It's yeah. so good. And I'm going to hopefully snipe Don. I'm worried that Don's going to snatch this. So I'm going to pick it. I'm also going to go with best locker room speech. I'm going to pick the speech from Fortune and Rudy, where he tells Rudy, you're five feet nothing, a hundred and nothing. And you got hardly a speck of any athletic ability. And you hung with the best college football team in the land for two years. And you're going to walk out of here with a degree from the University of Notre Dame. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody. That's the speech that I will always remember. Um, I didn't sell it so well, but man, it always gave me goosebumps as a kid. It's so inspiring, so heartwarming, so traditional. And uh, it was a family favorite. And that speech like always hit all of the feels for me. So I'm just going to go right away with that. Make sure that I get that on my on my draft board. So, so that's my speech. Good choice. There are a few speeches in that movie too you can pick. That's how good it yeah. is. Yeah, I was eyeing that one as well. And just the simply the set piece of like Rudy, like imitating that famous thing in the locker room. I mean, that's all whole thing in itself. I mean, oh, yeah. I had totally forgotten that uplifting part of it. So man, that's a double whammy. You can even do like, even though it has no words to it, just laying the jerseys in the coach's desk. Like, I mean, there's so much in that movie. Yeah. And Charles S. <clears throat> as Fortune there, what a role. Love it. They also have the great soundtrack going on in the background. And Don, it was fun. We had him on for an episode, but he kind of had a Rudy-like experience. That you, I'll let you go back to that episode that Don was on. For, it was his first one. Do you remember which Moneyball I think we were talking about? We did Moneyball, so go, yeah. Go back to Moneyball and listen to Don's background as uh, we'll explain just very basically. I was Bobby Boucher oh. without the defensive prowess. I was okay. the water boy for four years of college. Oh, yeah. Didn't you get a scholarship to that or something? Or I did. Well, almost, almost. I lost okay. it, but I did. But yeah. Okay. Uh, next, we got Matt. B, I'm stoked for for what you're what you're gonna pick first. Wow, a lot of pressure. There's a couple I really want. There's a deep cut, but let's go with best villain in a sports movie. And staying true to the podcast that I guested on, we're gonna go with Teddy KGB 
from Rounders. Oh, oh. that was high on mine. <laughs> nice. Oh. This kid has alligator blood. Check, check, <laughs> check, check, check. Mike, what are you doing? John Malkovich, right? That's good. That was a good oh, yeah. yeah, John Malkovich. It's a movie where even though Matt Damon was on, you know, on, on the heels or the post game of uh, Goodwill Hunting, they, he was still in awe of John Malkovich when he arrived on set. There was a story about that. And he just brought it to another level. I think that film and it, it needed a character who was that outlandish and crazy and going for it. I mean, Teddy KGB, this could also, I guess, go in the best nickname category because it's an incredibly memorable name. But I love that Malkovich, who started out as a theater actor in Chicago at Steppenwolf, suddenly in the 90s became kind of in these campy action movies that were forever played on cable, right? Whether it's Con Air, as Cyrus the Virus, which is another phenomenal name. A great name. <laughs> or as, as, as Teddy KGB here. And uh, between his jumpsuits and him cracking the oreo open to give matt damon the tell the ultimate tell in, in rounders this is an iconic villain and i guess you can question whether poker is a sport or not but this character i think meant more to a certain sect of people in the in the late 90s early aughts than any other character i felt like in a movie this was the guy people would quote and and think about it and laugh with and you couldn't wait until he appeared in the movie and that's such a unique quality in a villain yeah and an accent for the ages just one of the great movie accents of all time. So absurd. So outlandish. I was surprised. I was actually thinking you were going to go with Robert De Niro in The Fan for a second as Gil Renard because we just covered that. So I love that too. But I, honestly, better pick. Way better pick. Both are good, but but I uh, I approve. All right, let's move on. Justin Peterson, you're next. I'm on the clock. So um, one thing I found interesting is as I was making these choices, like how much nostalgia drives my like interest in sports movies. It's like, it's almost like the last 10 years of sports movies doesn't even matter compared to that first 15 of the that foundation for me. And um, I'm going to have to go with best fictional uh, sports announcer because I only had one choice. And if you know me, I'm going to do a quote. So this is it, folks. This is what it's all about. One game. There's no tomorrow. This is the whole Magilla, the whole ball of wax, the whole Kaboom, the whole Angelina, the whole shooting mass. This is for all the marbles, the division championship. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Cliff Murdoch from Rookie of the Year. Man, this movie, it, it doesn't get old. My kids watch this movie and they'll stand out there on the diamond and be like, pictures go to big, but so iconic. Daniel Stern kills it and his strange little role john candy rest in peace uh, just i mean as soon as all him as an announcer i mean he's not a critical part of the film compared to like ranch Wheeler of the angels and stuff but man um john candy rest in peace is part of my heart so i had to pick this one that was a good pick i forgot that he was the voice of that until you did that spot yeah. on good roundup of it yeah that threw me back he is such a big piece of what makes that movie special uncredited too like did that for you know probably a favor or nothing for you know that's pretty amazing that is and you set the bar high so thanks for doing that you definitely set the bar high <laughs> we all have to imitate our announcers is that what's going to happen yeah, here right. like, guys sorry can't pick <laughs> until you say it you know yeah. <laughs> all right moving on mikey you're on the board first time well, Justin gave me a great idea of thinking of where I should go because there's going to be some categories where it's just you need to get on the board quick to mm -hmm. get your pick. 
So I'm going to go ahead and go best fictional announcer in movies. And I got to go with the classic Harry Doyle from Major League. He is the most iconic character, I think, in the whole film, even, you know, even though he doesn't actually play on the field for the Indians. He is the voice of that team. He's the voice of the city. I mean, anytime you hear just a bit outside, you know, anytime you hear that, you you know that it's him. And, you know, he has to carry his booth because, you know, his commentator alongside him doesn't ever talk. So he has to carry the entire play-by-play and color commentary for the Cleveland Indians. And he just does it so well. And Bob Euchre, you know, he is just iconic announcer in his own right with the Brewers and still doing it to this day, which is just uh, so impressive and so cool, but definitely Harry Doyle. When I think of fictional announcers, he's the one that I first think of. Yeah, absolutely. Iconic. I looked at a few of the like best lists by Bleacher Report and so forth. He, I think, was on the top, usually the number one for good reason. So, all right, we're already at the end of our first round. The last pick, it's a Don. Don, you get two. Yeah. So Don, you're on the board. Uh, last one, the first round, first one, second one. Well, for me, I maybe I'm playing too much of the movie card, but um, to me, biopic is kind of your best picture of this whole draft here. Where I mean, you have to get the really, really good one, or you're in, in or else. And no offense to searching for Bobby Fisher, I'm not going there. I have to, and Paul knows me too well. This is Rudy slam dunk, no doubt about it. I'm stunned it fell this far. You know, you guys can have fun picking speeches and all that, but get the picture first. So uh, I'm taking Rudy in best biopic. I have to. I'm an Irish Catholic kid from you know from the Chicago area. You know, Joliet Catholic is right down the street from where Rudy Rudiger did his thing. The guy does PRs and, and, and conferences here in Chicago. It's just that, you know, when you're an Irish Catholic in Illinois, Notre Dame is right down the road and it's the Hallowed Hall. And that movie hit me in the sweet spot where that was like a 93, 92, like eighth grade, seventh grade, where like you think you're big enough and good enough to play football. And I never was. So that was just the dream of a movie. And yeah, when it comes to a draft like this, I don't know. You got to get a big dog first a little bit. And uh, that's the first round pick. If I go second round pick, I'm kind of with you guys where, once you leave a few categories, they're not super deep. And I'm a softy at heart, so I got to go a romance. Maybe it's the kicker of the category. I kind of thought an announcer was the kicker of the category, but here you guys are picking announcers up here in the first <laughs> round. So if I have to go best movie romance, ooh, and this is for like votes on Twitter to win this here a little bit because I played people, all right? God, you got to you know play to win the game. You got to remember this here. Best movie romance. I will be a softy and I will pick Jerry Maguire. Just, you know, you had me at hello, all the romantic elements of that movie. Tom Cruise delivering it. Renee Zellberg delivering it. Don't get me wrong. Bull Durham is real tempting, but because uh, I love the speech, I love the the rant that goes with um, what what Coster is doing to kind of sell it this random. But I'll take all movie long Tom Cruise and Renee Zellberg pining for it. So I'll take the first romance off the board with Jerry Maguire. Oh, that's a good one. That's a great one. A little yes. jealous there. And yeah, you can tell Don comes to play. I've been in a draft before and he comes ready. Mikey, you're right back to you. Yep, right. Right back to me. Well, I'm going to go with another category that I feel like there there's some top tier picks and you might as well go ahead and get them off the board. And so best soundtrack, I got to go Rocky for it is so iconic, a soundtrack. It's actually a soundtrack that I bought It's one of the first CDs I bought back in the 90s and you look at all the list of songs that's on there obviously you've got the callback with eye of the tiger from rocky threes in rocky four as well you've got burning heart also from survivor you got hearts on fire and then you've got you know the iconic living in america by james brown which you know all you gotta do is listen to that song and you can imagine apollo creed coming up 
getting ready for that big fight with Drago and you see the concert and everything in the hoopla just so good and even just you know a not so iconic song but still really good song is Double or Nothing with Kenny Loggins and Gladys Knight just all of that and then the training montage songs and then you know No Easy Way Out I mean that iconic video music video is just so well done top to bottom lots of iconic songs you know i mentioned it on my podcast when i did the director's cut review of rocky four how much i love this soundtrack it's so iconic so i had to pick it had to go ahead and get it off the board so rocky four favorite sports soundtrack of course i mean you can't not pick yeah. that you were no smart argument. to pick it early and you sold it well I, you definitely did it justice so nice pick mikey moving on justin all right, so I want to go to uh, best villain. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, so I saw uh, Spike from Little Giants was on the list, but I'm going to go with Coach O'Shea because Coach O'Shea doesn't get that he's been overshadowing his brother his entire life. And his brother has to, you know, really just step on his toes to um, let him know that. I caught myself saying that to my kids this week. I knew you'd see it my way. And they're like, no, I do not see it your way. I never see it your way. And he's such a realistic kind of like coach for peewee football. I mean, he's kind of funny, but, you know, he has that whole like, oh, I used to be Heisman. I'm king of the town. So really enjoy Coach O'Shea. Kind of a lightweight pick. There's some, um, I mean, I, I really wanted to mention Drago, but I won't go there. And uh, honorable mention to the Beast from The Sound Lot. A lot of that movie revolves around that character. But um, yeah, I'll go with uh, Coach O'Shea from The Little Giants. Respectable pick. Honestly, better than Drago. I think, I think fans will like Drago, but... One of the best movie villains is Ed O'Neill is Coach O'Shea is the dick older brother. I, I respect that pick. Love that pick. And the only thing that I would say maybe to undercut it, but I don't I don't mean it in a bad way, is that he has a one really sweet moment with his niece that makes him <laughs> a little redemptive, but still a great pick. But he has that, that great moment with Becky um, that I always love. But I think that's actually almost further proof to make him a great pick. Just he owns that town. He's a sleazy car guy. He has that great dynamic with his brother. Excellent pick. I love it. Maybe we'll throw your honorable mentions later, but we got to keep going first. We don't need to steal people's thunder too early on. So moving on next, we got Matt. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe in the church of baseball. I've tried all the major religions and most of the minor ones. I've worshipped Buddha, Allah, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, trees, mushrooms, and Isadora Duncan. With that said, I'm going to go with Best Romance in a Sports Movie and Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon uh, in Bull Durham. Ron Sheldon did a Q&A with Susan Sarandon as a surprise guest this past year in New York, and it was really awesome to be there at, uh, at Film Forum to watch that. This is not only one of the best like, sports romances, but it's one of the best sports intros to a movie with, with Susan Sarandon narrating and kind of introing us both to the movie, but to her character also, who's a quasi groupie who just kind of hangs out at the baseball games down in North Carolina. It introduces so much humor and energy to a film and, and her accent and the metaphysics of baseball, not to mention, I, I think uh, Susan and, and Kevin Costner, Costner's kind of playing a character who's playing hard to get in this film. So you can't really get their romance uh, that well until kind of ha- at the halfway point. But Sarandon and Tim Robbins are the ones who hooked up and had a long-term relationship after this film. It wasn't Costner and Sarandon. But the dichotomy between Kevin Costner is like this, you know, cocky, has been to the major leagues, but now has got to take a, a nice drop of humility. And Sarandon with her kind of highly sexualized nature and all her uh, voodoo and, and the candlelights, 
I think that relationship uh, more than any kind of stands out uh, to me when I, when I, when I think of a baseball or when I think of a sports romance, I just love them dearly. Yeah. I love them. Shelton's so good at creating characters with just enough quirk where it doesn't feel like he's embellishing. They feel real, but quirky. I love it. And I love that romance. Great pick, classic pick, a smart early pick as well. So it is my turn again. I'm going to snatch this before Jordan can. Uh, it was the first movie we covered on our podcast. I'm doing best fictional announcer in a movie, and I'm doing someone who's already been quickly mentioned, Ranch Wilder from Angels in the Outfield, as played by J.O. Sanders. He's loudmouth. He's constantly <laughs> drinking and smoking on the job. <laughs> we got people doing the Angels wave in the background. He's just a former baseball player. He's crude. He's rude. And he's just one of the great sports villains in general. He's also, I'm talking about J.O. Sanders here. He's also the evil heel coach. Maybe someone might pick him uh, in the big green. Yeah, I'm going with Ranch Wilder. The name itself, it would be a great for that category too. Just a fantastic name. He holds that movie down. It's hard to have a villain in that movie to some degree. And he carries that entire role on his on his shoulders. So I'm going with Ranch Wilder for best announcer in a movie. Next, Jordan, since I hopefully stole yours. You did. Still my announcer. I will say that, of course. It, it took my announcer. Uh, there's still other stuff on the board I'm interested in, though. I think there's... I'm kind of like the way these categories are laid out. There's, there's some hard choices to make here. I'm going to lean a little different way. I was going to kind of piggyback off you guys, but I'm going to go to best character names just to get what I think is easily the best name in any sports movie. Give me one second here. Wait, you got to look it up? It's the best? How about that? Come on <laughs> now. It's Dean Youngblood, though. Let me just say it. Okay. Dean Youngblood. The name of the freaking movie. It's a badass name. I mean, I don't, I don't know. There's a couple other good ones on there, but I think that is that name says all. So I'm going to go ahead and take Dean Youngblood off there. Sounds good. I love that it was the best dog going about and there was a pause. It's like, <laughs> I'll stick up for you. You must have been looking up the first name, the Dean. You were trying <laughs> I was to like, say I don't exactly. Could have just said I'll be honest. Blood. I was going back with another hockey player name, but say maybe maybe Paul might take it. So I'm not going to say it. All right. I thought okay. Jordan was actually going for the pause for dramatic effect just to <laughs> just to have that moment beat right? where everybody was wondering what was going to happen. Right. It didn't <laughs> land anyways, though. So it's fine. You got it, though. Youngblood's a great choice. Great movie. Justin, you get two. All right, I got two. So these are my most picks that I think someone might pick. Uh, I think the rest of them are relatively safe. Okay, so best heel slash villain in a sports movie. I'm picking Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore, the 1996 Dennis Dugan film. Uh, Christopher McDonald, I I will always associate him with this performance. And what, what I think is funny about the performance is that every single line of his is just a setup to someone else's punchline. So it's like all of his lines are just, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast. You eat pieces of shit for breakfast. Stay out of my way or you'll pay. Listen to what I say. I'll go down by the bay, eat hay or whatever. <laughs> you know, It's just every line is someone else's punchline. And, um, you know, God bless Christopher McDonald for being willing to just be a human punching bag. I love that role. I love that movie. We covered it on Cows in the Field. Jeez, I'm just promoting my podcast. Uh, my second pick is best romance in a sports movie. And this I'm going for Days of Thunder, Cole Trickle, and Claire Lewicki. That's Tom Cruise. And yeah, movie. did I just I take that coming off the board? Man. Good call. <laughs> Matt is Matt's so happy. Um, yeah, so uh uh, I love this movie and um, this is a, you know, it's a good racing movie. And uh, one of the best things about the movie is that Nicole Kidman 
really gives it to Tom Cruise in their characters, that is. But they also have good chemistry. And all I have to say about that is graham crackers. And you know what I mean? So leaving it there. That is a great pick. That is one of my favorite films. And growing up in the South, in Tennessee, you know, NASCAR is a huge thing. And so this film was right up my alley as a kid watching it. And it's where I really first fell in love with Nicole Kidman, who actually lives in Nashville now. So we consider her our own now. So very cool. That's definitely a great pick. Yeah, it's an amazing pick. I also am kicking myself in the ass for not picking Shooter McGavin. He's such an iconic character. There's literally a Twitter account that's a fake him and tweets daily and goes viral almost daily. He's still alive in my mind. He's still alive and well in the cultural zeitgeist and conscious. Like I, I see that account. I see the tweets and I'm like, oh, it's really Shooter McGavin. I have to remind myself that it's not. So two amazing picks. Jordan, you're right back on the board. All right. And your partner's behind you again. (laughs) Ready to steal your thunder. Here it comes. I think I'm going to snatch one from him because I feel like I know when he would take. So I'm going to go with best soundtrack in a sports movie. And I think it's got to be the Space Jam soundtrack. Like the movie score pretty much. Every hit's a banger. Everything's like a sing-along. It works so well in this like short movie. It's still one of my favorite like go-to like just trash cities to listen to. So yeah, I'm going to take the Space Jam soundtrack. I mean, yeah. Seal R. Kelly dance songs. Let's let's get a let's get a few bars. All right, I let's. Believe I can fly. <laughs> I believe I, believe I, can, I can touch the sky. sky. That's my yeah, that R. Kelly impersonation. Yeah, that's not problematic yeah. at all, fellas. Not at all. No, no, no. <laughs> it was yeah. the hit off the album, though. Let's be fair. <laughs> I know, but it's like sour light now. You know, I have such vivid memories of rollerblading in my garage, eating mac and cheese, and blasting that soundtrack. <laughs> so. There's anything like, Welcome that's... to the Space Jam. The seal cover of uh, Fly Like an Eagle. Mm-hmm. I've heard who, who does the original of that was freaking awesome. There's so many. Like, it reminds me of like roller skating in the 90s. It's not one of those like kind of jams like that. They um, always played at the rink too, right? Oh, Couples yeah. dance and so forth. Yeah. yeah. It was the soundtrack the of, of the, the 90s. 90s. <laughs> yeah. Luckily, I was going to pick that and I was worried, but I had some backups in that department. So I, I feel I feel secure there. Yeah. Okay. So it's my turn again, and I don't think I'm going to go with soundtrack yet. I'm really stuck between two on best heel villain in a movie. Really stuck here. And it's down to two. And I'm going to go with Spike from The Little Giants. I'll bring up the other one later. I I pass on a really good one. But Spike was already mentioned as well. I think, Justin, you mentioned two of my picks just kind of off the cuff very quickly. I mean, he speaks in third person. The, the whole movie, Spike is hell. Spike and Pee Wee hell, right? And I just as a kid, there was no character, I think, that stuck in my mind as the quintessential bully like Spike and that made me chuckle like Spike. And I'm kind of really trying to tap into that that energy that drove us to create this podcast. And it is that prepubescent love for the silly 90s sports movies. Yeah. Thanks, Justin, for reminding of me and picking O'Shea. Coach O'Shea is a great pick, but thank you for not taking Spike. Moving on, we're right back to Matt B. And he's been killing it. I want to hear what he has next. Wow, man. The suspense. I know. I, uh, I'm i going to go with best locker room speech. I don't know if you could say this is a necessarily a locker room speech, but it, it quasi is. It feels like that in, in the context of the movie, but it's Phil... Alden Robinson's Field of Dreams from 1989. And it's uh, James Earl Jones, who in, in a crucial moment in the film, when Costner's about to get evicted on the playing field in Iowa, 
he's also seeing flashbacks with with uh, James Earl Jones and Jimmy has some good uh, I'm, I'm going to read the quote. They'll find they have reserved seats somewhere along one of the baselines where they sat when they were children and cheered their heroes. And they'll watch the game and it'll be as if they dip themselves in magic waters. The memories will be so thick they'll have to brush them away from their faces. People will come, Ray. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. America has rolled by like an army of steamrollers. It has been erased like a blackboard, rebuilt and erased again. But baseball has marked the time, this field, this game. It's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us all that once was good, and it could be again. Oh, people will come, Ray. People will most definitely come. Also one of the most misquoted quotes in movie history, I think. People think it's build it and it will, or he will come. I think it's build it and they will come, because it's Shoeless Joe and a bunch of others, a bunch of other uh, baseball players. It's a strange film because it's a baseball movie, but it's about so much more. It's about this man's journey with the game, with the history. It has a real love for Americana and American history. The fact that this movie is even set in Iowa next to a cornfield. And Ray Liotta, speaking of RIPs, kind of plays, a, he plays Shoeless Joe, right? The, the ghost-like mm. figure of the film with whom kind of the crucial scenes happen. And it's also a neat investigative road trip movie where Costner goes to various ballparks and goes to Fenway Park in, in Boston. And not many baseball films kind of have this I think, abnormal style or this unusual and, uh, and sort of unorthodox sports movie uh, narrative, but this one does. And uh, it was also fun to read this, I think, in, in middle school, uh, seventh or eighth grade. And another film that in the 90s was constantly on cable. It was always on TV. It's a long one and you never knew which part of it you were going to run into, but you always wanted to listen to James Earl Jones talk and speak because he was such a a voice of youth and a, a voice of nostalgia, whether it was Star Wars or this film, and uh, Kevin Costner making it into yet another movie of mine. I'm not even sure I like the guy that much, but here we are. If you were yeah. going to take it, I was, man. Rock Stone closed down the speech there. And uh, that's why, to me, it's one of those movies that is um, the movie is better than the book. I think mm-hmm. the book kind of has a couple of extra threads that just are a little too much for the movie. And then, like, the whole surprise of the movie is like, um, in the book, you know his dad is there the whole time. Not the big mm-hmm. reveal that it is in the movie. It's a perfect moment in the movie. Totally. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, and I love how all those um, divine interventions serve as like a deus ex machina. Like they're just kind of shoehorned in to push the plot forth. I mean, I know they're crucial to the plot, but you think about it too much in that movie, it's just reverse engineered that story. Uh, it's got a dream logic. Like it doesn't really all connect at all. You have to, I get that you have to suspend your sense of belief in a lot of movies, but that movie particularly for me is <laughs> just like, you got to take it with a grain of salt. We really went deep into that. Yeah. Um, with Jed, that was a fun one. Um, and here was me like trying to like unpack it, and everyone's just like, it's surrealistic, it's existential, it, it's like also like just a great dad movie, like the Shawshank Redemption, like a good cable movie. Just, just let it be. And if you just roll with it, it's a dream logic, and that it has some of the great, more sentimental and whimsical lines of all time. You're good, yeah. But great choice. Moving on, Justin, you're back on the clock. Oh, this is hard. I've been dabbling in these locker room speeches pretty heavy. And gosh, I want to do me, but man, I just came up with a deep cut. I'm pretty excited about. Okay. So from okay. the Mighty Ducks one, the one, two, what triple deke or whatever, the <laughs> thing that Gordon brings up with Charlie in that final moments before the penalty shot, it echoes throughout this entire, like those sepia tone moments where 
him on the ice, his love of ice and it all accumulates to uh, him coaching Charlie in that moment. So um, I think I'd go with that one. Great. I mean, perfect. Mighty Ducks, just the film we had you on at first from Minnesota. So Mikey, you're next. Well, I was looking over the categories and another one that we haven't picked yet, but I feel like I got to get mine off the board already because it's one that really enjoy. One of my favorite films is from Tron and it's the light cycle race. And I'm picking it for best futuristic race game show or sport invented for movies. Racing is always a good go-to with films, obviously so many racing films, but to have that iconic light cycle race in the game that, you know, Flynn is thrown into the computer and he is caught up in that race. And, you know, he invented the game. He knows all about it. So he's an expert at it and he's able to use that as a means of escape to him alongside with Tron to get out of the, out of the computer. And so it's an iconic scene and uh, in CGI and computer graphics, you know, in 1982, it's one of the most groundbreaking films in that genre and that, and that usage. And so for me, I got to pick that one because it's one of my favorites and I know that would be a high one on the board. So I'm picking Tron light cycle. That's a good one. Glad you went to that category too. It hasn't been touched yet, which is wild. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I was going there next, whether he was going there or not. So, um, yeah, I'll follow him. Invented for me, I'm going Quidditch from Harry Potter. It's just too, it's too inventive of a sport. Um, it's used in enough movies where I'm going for volume, I'm going for quality, where I will take Quidditch and my kids will be very happy because they're Harry Potter hurts. Same, same thing with what Mikey's saying. Like, um, just a really inventive uh, sport. It's kind of that um, breakthrough moment for the main character movie. It just, it plays well in terms of just being something invented and it works for the character. And then the, the scenes in the movies, the Quidditch scenes are some of the best scenes, especially in those first three movies. So, um. Yeah, I gotta take Quidditch before it falls off the board because I'm with Mikey. I think that category gets thin in a hurry. Um, speeches they're getting thin, and uh, you know a lot of people have taken theirs in different places. So um, I gotta get another iconic one. I'll stay where Matt went with baseball and Tom Hanks. There's no crying in baseball from League of Their Own. Um, it's um to me an essential sports movie because of the female perspective, and there's not a lot of places in this draft where we can really get. Uh, some League of Their Own representation in here. And it's one of our great actors delivering one of the great dumb, silly monologues. I know there are way better locker room speeches. And if Matt didn't take it, you know, James Earl Jones would be in my lap. But uh, I will be just fine taking a League of Their Own. There's no crying in baseball. Love it. Great picks, both of them. Rock solid. Couldn't do better. Jump it right back to Michael. Let's keep this thing rolling. What do you yeah. got next? Yeah, so locker room speeches. There's been a run on that. So I might as well go ahead and get mine and. Uh, it's one of my favorite films. I've covered it on my podcast. It's Miracle. It's great moments. Uh, the speech that Herb Brooks gives to the team, the USA men's hockey team, right before the big match against Russia. And, you know, it, it's an iconic speech. You know, he says, great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we've played them 10 times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we skate with them, and we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players, every one of you, and you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. Great speech. Great moment in a great film, too. There's a few moments in Miracle that are all-time sports movie moments. The practice, 
the very sadistic practice. Forget what he keeps yelling between when he's blowing his whistle. Just again and again. Like, is he just saying again? It's uh, again. Just again. yells again. Yeah. yeah. Kills me every time. So intense. But yes, awesome, awesome choice. Awesome rendition. Uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Justin, you're right back on. What do you got? All right. So um, I'm quite surprised there hasn't been much uh, off the board in terms of uh, best character name or nickname in sports. Glad that uh, Cold Trickle got mentioned earlier, so I don't have to pick that. Um, but do am a big uh, Days of Thunder fan. I'm thinking this, this, this one has to be baseball. And I'm quite shocked that something from the 80s wasn't picked. But I got to do me. I'm a 90s kid. So Smalls from the Sandlot, you're killing me, Smalls. I mean, you see that. Every spring and every ballpark in the entire United States, someone's got a killing me small shirt. For me, as a 90s kid, that's the quintessential baseball movie. Just kids getting together, just playing for the love of the game. And then uh, they all come together for that beast of a dog at the end. But um, Sandlot, it, it's timeless. Santa, and killing me smalls. That's good yeah, choice. there's a few good choices from the Sandlot. And yeah. we, like, we, yeah, we yeah. needed... We needed the Sandlot just to be on the board somewhere. So thank you for that. I, I really was like, the Sandlot needs to get up there soon. Matt, you're next. What you got? Man, there's been a lot of good stuff said already. Let's go with best sports biopic about an individual. Uh, speaking of representation, this is one of the few, I think all black casts are almost all black casts. And that's Spike Lee's He Got Game from 1998. A box office dud, as so many good films often are. This film is just like a, a mammoth achievement in terms of soundtrack, artistry, and uh, a father-son relationship, which um, we, we see often, I think, of these films. But this one has it more focused and, and more serious and more uniquely displayed because we have like cross-cutting between the past, between Ray Allen as a kid and the said individual in this category is, in fact, Ray Allen. And it's amazing that this could go on a category of best performance by an athlete in, in a feature film. And, and Ray Allen would <laughs> knock it out or Don says, no, 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 no. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> this is supposed to be a true character thing. Jesus Shuttleworth, it's fictional, my friend. Right. Beautiful speech for a beautiful movie, but I'm going to throw it to Paul and Jordan. Erroneous. Oh, I should never seen this movie. So I'm going to leave it to Paul. <laughs> it's that was your no. best sports topic. Oh, you gotta choose twice, man. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have yeah. to do that. I'm pretty lenient, but I, hey, I'm hitting the, the bell. The good yeah. thing is, I, I said earlier, the thing I care about is to hear just talk about movies. So that was a win for the podcast episode. For sure. <laughs> a little bit of a loss for your pick, but it is specifically biopic. Good call, Don. That is. I'll see you in detention after school, man. I'm sorry. It's yeah. a it's a funny choice though, as you said though, because it's oh it's Ray Allen by... is the lead, yeah. right? Yeah. So it feels mm. kind of autobiographical. So I get that. It was also like the most awkward viewing I've had in my life, probably when I rented it at 11. <laughs> Just like a movie to watch with your family at 11. Not that one. Anyways, great film, though. Love it. But Matt, I'll give you another choice. You could pick anything, but that one is off the board. All right. I'll get a redo and I'll go with one of the GOAT sports movies, Raging Bull from 1980. That was a good choice. Man, um, that was my next pick, which is so funny now. So like, I, I guess I deserve it for overriding you, but that was literally my next pick. But go, you can talk about it. Yeah, I've I've seen it a few times. It kind of recharged Martin Scorsese's career, kicked off an otherwise mediocre decade in a great way. Uh, it told the story of Jake LaMotta and the boxing scene and uh, brought together Joe Pesci and De Niro and featured some of the most absurd makeup work. I think it's cinema history with 
what De Niro morphs into by the second half of that movie. Paul Schrader co-wrote the screenplay, a often uh, collaborator with, with, with Scorsese, and it's based on Jake LaMotta's story by the same title, Raging Bull. It was a mediocre hit when it came out in the, in the box office, 23 mil on a 18 mil budget. But this has everything I think you you want in a sports story. And we had Rocky, I think, in the 70s. And, and, and maybe Scorsese was jealous uh, of that sort of acclaim and, and that sort of feeling that, that Rocky brought to the film, which was, I think, unique, especially uh, for a sports film. But Raging Bull, an all-time great performance by De Niro. Martin Scorsese can do it all. He can do the sports movie. Yes, he can. I will pretend not to be bummed. Amazing pick. Now I got to pivot. I don't even want to pick that one. Now I need, I need some time to decompress. I also had it on, I also had it on my board. Oh. I wanted to pick as well. Um, definitely. Take- I remember writing yeah. about that recently and just thinking of it as this, the anti-Rocky of how visceral it is with, with you right in the ring with him. And he ends up being such an anti-hero by the end. Great pick. Well, just the, the claim of the movie, like, you know, about a lot of sports movies, you know, we've been talking about nostalgia. We've been talking about safe stuff and cute stuff. And most things are tripe, but that's a, like a, you know, cinema, that's film, you know, if it's for Stacey series going to pat us on the back for that one while he massages Paul's shoulders on the next pick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Good luck, man. Pivoting. I'm pivoting. I'm going to go with best character name or nickname in a sports movie. I'm kind of proud of this one. This one was the hardest one, not because I felt like someone would take one off the board, but because there were so many choices. There's so many great names in sports movies, but I'm going with the dude, the big Lebowski, the dude okay. iconic. I think it's straight out of left field. It's debatable whether it's a sports movie. I'm calling it a sports movie. It is. And I mean, it's the dude. You can't go wrong with that pick. I, I definitely am proud of that one. And I'll just keep it rolling. We'll keep the flow going. Jordan, it's your turn. All right. Now, that was a good choice, Paul. Or El oh. Dudorito if you're not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I got a beverage in my hand. Um, I'm trying to hard to pick on these categories. Which one I should kind of like stack next. I feel like I have a weird take on the bill one, so I'm going to pause on that one. And I'm going to go with best futuristic race game show or sport invented for a movie, which I think was a pretty strong category, actually, as we're looking on here. And it's interesting. I'm going to be interested to see what voters actually vote for in this one besides just nostalgia. Quidditch was a good one. I, I think Don did probably take, like, he took the nerd vote for sure. You know, anyone playing the Harry Potter game and flying around their little brooms is going to vote for him. I get yep. that. I got all the teeny bobbers. Yep. I got it. Um, but I'm going to go for the absolute other end of the spectrum, the crass crowd, the late night comedy dudes. The dudes are like crawling bars and drunk and want to go play some ball. They want to go play some basketball. Hell yeah. That's Absolutely. the good one. Great going for. One of the greatest games ever invented by the comedy geniuses, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in years. But one of the things that stands out for me as <laughs> like punk rock kids, the fact that this game has beer, basketball, shit talking and the real big fish play like on the side i just always thought that was awesome um so i'm gonna go with i'm gonna go with uh basketball for uh my fictional uh sport no argument no argument either we used to play it as kids like it was that iconic there's not many of these sports that i think we really tried to turn into a neighborhood game so that alone makes I was, the winner i was really hoping in the announcer category that al michaels despite playing himself and bob costas would be there because you're excited feel these nipples i just wanted that line so bad but it doesn't it's not a locker room speech the announcers are non-fictitious. I'm like, shit, can't take that one. <laughs> and I also love how you sold it like as the antithesis to Quidditch, right? You have the nerd kid sport and you have like oh, yeah. the crass, also kid sport though. They're like mm-hmm. the totally. crude and the, the family friendly. So awesome pick. Justin, you get two again. Okay, so I'm going to go with 
fictional announcer, and I'm going with semi-pro, Dick Pepperfield and Lou Redwood. Give you some examples of things they say to each other. I mean, semi-pro is a movie about basketball with Will Ferrell. Lou, would you mind putting out that cigarette? It's very unprofessional. No, I like to smoke when I drink. Or Jackie Moon is Flint's favorite son. He's done more for the city than any human being has ever lived. With the possible exception of Henry Ford. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a, yeah, it's a great movie. Those guys are hilarious. Um, I like basketball. That's my pick for fictional announcer. For best soundtrack in a sports movie, I am picking Gladiator, Hans Zimmer. Ooh. So uh, Gladiator is a sports film because it is a film about people who play in a, the sport of gladiating. Um, anyway, and, uh, you know, this, this score rules because uh, it's Hans Zimmer, uh, you know, at the, in this nice transition period, he was like pre-Nolan and um, he was making his way over there. And you get that feel from some of those tracks. So it's a score that I, I really listen to a lot and I quite enjoy, but it has a lot of different vibes. Mikey wants to get on the, get in on this. Yeah. So just to give a little fun little story about Hans Zimmer's soundtrack from Gladiator. When I was in college as an undergrad, me and a couple of my friends, we made these fun home movies. And one of the ones that we did was a film that was basically just all credits, except for one of my roommates who uh, we filmed one night late at night, who was just running through the common area between the dorms that we had and ran right into a dumpster. And that was the film was the credits played under Hans Zimmer's score from gladiator and it was just to that and so anytime i think of gladiator that's one of the fond memories i think of yeah and it probably would made the movie your little short film like insanely epic uh because i mean the thing about that score is like every you could put it under anything and it's going to be super epic um whatever the music when i don't know any of the songs really but but anytime he's you know um rising up to give some rousing speech or whatever uh, I love it. So that's those are my two picks. Fictional announcer, semi-pro, gladiator for soundtrack. Yeah, I love gladiator too, because it's like the OG sport, right? We're always like, oh, it's gladiatorial when we're talking about sports. It's it's one of those epics that you think of as like an Oscar film. And I don't even categorize it too much on the top of my head in sports movies, but just Jordan, we gotta pin that. We gotta cover that soon. Yeah, no. Um, sure. I'd love to. It's right back to you, Jordan. What's your okay. next pick? Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with the fictional announcers this time. So I think that's a little thin category and another kind of subjectional one for the audience. You know, I'm going to go with, I like Cotton McKnight from Dodgeball. I think he's like the new, like from our generation, like he's so quotable, you know, ESP and Ocho, right? <laughs> like that, that is one of the layers of Dodgeball for sure that has stuck around. And I think withstood the test of time. Uh, yeah. And like, you know, Jason, was it Jason Bateman in plays or whatever is, you know, yeah, I've moved on to such different roles now. Yeah, I'm going to go with Cotton McKnight from Dodgeball. Awesome. Uh, Matt, you yeah, looked really... No argument there. No argument, Matt. You looked bummed or st- stoked, I couldn't tell. A mixture. There's a lot of emotion going on there. Yeah, I was pissed. I um, I had those two guys, and I didn't even think of it until the last like, 10 minutes. But uh, yeah, Gary Cole and Jason Bateman are incredible now. That's a really good pick, but The comedies all have great announcers, too. Some of these comedies, like Semi-Pro, great pick, too. So... Those are all coming off the board quick. If you want one, jump on that. Mikey, what's up? Yeah, I mean, th- the whole thing with uh, dodgeball and that and that comment there that you know it it gave that great gift that always keeps on giving with you know that's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it plays out for him. It's like <laughs> anytime, any kind of sports event, any kind of you know 
questionable call or anything like that. That's always a good gift that I always use that right off the bat for that. Absolutely, Mike. That's been in many uh, Power Parade presentations of mine for sure. <laughs> All right. It's my turn again already? Whew. I have Don in my head because he's always like, play to win, play to win. And You're damn so many, right. You're so many choices right. here that I he's can a man play of the people. Hey, knows I'll, the play, people. I'll help you vamp a little bit. Recap. You've done speech. You've done announcer. You've done villain. You've done name. I just don't know what I want for soundtrack. There's some that I can play to win no. for. I can go for the Oscar crowd. Uh, I can go for the sentimental crowd. No, I think I'm going to go for the me crowd. Um, yeah. I don't want to do any duplicates. I don't want to do one that's completely unexpected. I want to go with Friday Night Lights, Explosion in the Sky. Great choice. Yeah. I, that was I, a high rank one for me too. Yeah. <laughs> Love the soundtrack as a kid. It was constantly, I think I came to the movie through the soundtrack actually. Mm. Like it wasn't like I got the soundtrack from the movie. I listened to Explosion in the Sky. Loved this soundtrack. In my moody emo teenage years, this was a constant <laughs> on my uh, whatever I was listening to at that time. What was the I remember first... Explosions on the Sky? It was like one of those... Uh... Groove Shark or Spotify bands. We had like SoundCloud and those, not SoundCloud, those other little streaming ones. They had like three songs on there to always refresh and listen to them. I was like, yeah, I kind of came to the show through the band. But yeah, that's a really good choice. I was up there for like sentimental, like sentimental choice for me. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go with that. It just they crescendo so well too. And it really captures the tone, not only of the movie, I think it's in both, but of the TV show. Love the TV show as well. I watched that weekly with my dad. That's my choice. And I'm stoked on it. So next, Matt. Your turn. You might want to go after one of these <laughs> dumb comedies if you got any. Oh man, yeah. So I have best. I have uh, best fictional announcers in, in movies left. I have best soundtrack in a sports movie. Ah, uh, wow. Yeah, that dodgeball went through me for the loop. Let's go. Let's go back to 1998, and let's go back to He Got Game for best soundtrack in a sports movie. Great choice. This was the uh, the Public Enemy song that covers over a famous song. Uh, Dusty Springfield, right? Dusty Springfield, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's cool when the title song to a movie is also the title of the movie. Not often does it happen, but when it does, it it works wonders. And in this film, it does. Incredible soundtrack throughout. I think there's a couple great like montage scenes and, and the score. Is it Ernest Blanchard? Uh, Terrence. Uh, Terrence right? Blanchard. Yeah. That's right. I'm thinking of uh, Ernest Dickerson. But uh, the, the soundtrack is incredible. A lot of Spike's movies have to do with music. And, and the connection between them and because it sort of heightens the drama and the uh, intensity and, and the passion with which he tells the stories. And this one is no exception. I, I think um, it's an amazing father-son movie, as I was saying earlier before I got rightfully dinged out of that category. But um, hey, everyone's looking Catch out me. for someone. Catch me if you can. Am I wrong? Good Spielberg movie, not a sports movie. But he got game. The Mil Jovich storyline gets a lot of crap for kind of being an outlier and uh, affecting the the flow of the movie. But I think it's fine. A really awesome and original way to tell a sports story with the conflating timelines, with the forward and back, the contentious father-son relationship, and the fact that Ray Allen, a star NBA player, knocks it out of the park as if he's been doing this for years. And uh, you get to see Ned Beatty as a coach, John Turturro as a coach, the whole slate of great New York character actors doing two to five second parts just because it's a Spike Lee film and they want to be in it. Um, Bill Nunn, another uh, Spike Lee regular from Do the Right Thing. It's an incredible film and almost doesn't get talked about enough or it gets talked about more than the box office success that it didn't have. So he got game. I got game. We got game. It's also one of the great, great depictions of college recruiting. So great pick. Justin, you're next. 
you're on the board. All right. So I'll go with best romance next. I got to go with Rocky and Adrian from the original Rocky. So unusual for, I mean, I mean, you've got these two very timid people that you wouldn't assume would be timid off the bat with Rocky, you know, being this uh, championship, bo- well, you know, up and coming boxer kind of down on his luck. But um, I remember watching it the first time and thinking it's kind of awkward, but I think there's some realism there that I've appreciated more as I've watched it when I got older. So um, Rocky and Adrian. Hey, Adrian, I did it. Classic. That's a great. Oh, yeah. I'm surprised I was still on the board, too. Same. Romance, to be honest. Uh, you did snipe me on that one, though. Let you know, but and you sniped me too. By the way, that was actually going to be my next uh, pick. <laughs> see, all right, Mikey, what can you make it up for in t- instead? So uh, I'm going to go to a different category. I'm going to go with best character name or nickname in a sports movie, and I got to go with Wild Thing. I got to go with mm. Ricky from Major League. You know, such an iconic character, such an iconic name, and all you got to do is remember the final scene at the end uh, of the game where he walks out to Wild Thing. It's just iconic song, iconic name, iconic look. Everything about uh, Charlie Sheen in that film, you know, just speaks of the 80s. It speaks of just the excess and excitement and craziness that was that team, the Cleveland Indians in, in 89, you know, pursuing the pennant and winning the pennant because of him. So definitely got to go Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn, for best sports name or nickname. Here's to that pick. Here's is right. Great pick. Love it. That's right. Don, you're up. All right. Um, I'll take a a villain before it's gone. My ideal villain, I think when everyone's ideal villain was Shooter McGavin, but to me, the second coming of Shooter McGavin, where it just kind of sets up everyone else's jokes, is White Goodman in Dodgeball. I, I just think Ben Stiller is goddamn hilarious in that movie where, much like Shooter McGavin, he is there just to be the boob of his inintentional jokes that land right back in his face. Um, And he's, um, and then obviously just Stiller's physical comedy is phenomenal. And uh, yeah, if I couldn't get Cotton McKnight on the announcer side, I'll, I'll get a Dodgeball villain on this side, so... I'm going White Goodman. That's a good pickup. Um, announcers are thin, and then there's that run on soundtracks, but I feel like there's a deep bench there. So, hmm. Oh, I'm catching myself in this spot here. All right. I'll take announcers while I can, because there's not much left to you know, get thinner and hurry, because I think five are gone, so you got to get something. I'll do a... You know what? I don't think anyone will take that one. I will wait. Well, hmm, oh, no, I keep talking too much. Um... <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll do a soundtrack instead. I'll take all the Americana. It's more songs than score. And I'm, norm, I'm normally a score guy. This would be Rudy and Jerry Goldsmith in a heartbeat. But um, remember the Titans. Um, just the songs that they come out to, songs that they go with. Uh, Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Like, it just, the energy of that movie. I know it's not Rocky doing, you know, very original songs. But in terms of a collection of uh, soundtracks that, that hit the moment, hit the era, I'll take that Remember the Titans soundtrack. Very iconic, long-lasting. It was using like a presidential campaign. Like can't can't right. fail with that. If you can't get the tape movie, take the soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, good call. And there's too. no place, to, and there's no place to take this movie really per se because we're not doing teams. Yeah, so that's kind of me spreading the wealth there, like it did with uh, you know, a league of their own. Yeah, very strategic too, because like when we share this, it'll be on that sheet. Remember the Titans, and it'll definitely bring some eyeballs over there. Smart pick, just from a, a strategic standpoint. So, Mikey, right back to you. What do you got for us? Well, since, you know, Justin already mentioned taking uh, for best romance, Rocky and Adrian, I'm going to go off the board and pick one that, you know, you may not think right off the top of the bat as a best romance in a sports movie, but hopefully when you hear my explanation as to why you'll, you'll understand. And that's Herb and Patty Brooks in Miracle. 
we see in that film what I think is probably a honest, real portrayal of a loving marriage between the two of them. We see how Herb loves his wife. He loves Patty. You know, even in the midst of trying to put together this, you know, gold medal winning team, you know, he he does love his wife. And, you know, when he messes up, he makes sure to apologize and ask for forgiveness. And Patty is the same way. Like when she has, you know, times when she gets upset with Herb uh, because he forgot to pick up the kids, you know, from you know camp or, or anything like that, she rightly calls him out on stuff, but also is in turn forgiving and loving. And you just see that great relationships between the two of them. And Kurt Russell and Patricia Clarkson just have great chemistry on screen together. And for me, I think it's both a great loving relationship and a great marriage together. And it's a one that isn't always shown in a Hollywood film, especially a sports film necessarily. You know, we see kind of the romance going into it. We don't see the happy marriage, the mature marriage between our two lead characters. And so for me, Miracle and Herb and Patty Brooks for best romance. Awesome. That's a miracle double for you. Look at you yeah. stacking votes there, man. I like that you qualified it that way, though, Mikey. You kind of gave me inspiration to go with the pick I was kind of sitting on myself because everyone goes for these iconic ones. And if you listen to our podcast, a lot of them are kind of that to me for the, uh, you know, they kind of take away from the sports movies a bit. But you pick one that really builds a character, builds a team, like shows the the family unit and how that is, you know, dispersed into, you know, into the sports world for the kids, for us all, like, you know, how that, how that functions. So great pick by that one, Mikey. I like that. Adjusting my strategy accordingly. Yeah. Great pick. Um, one of the more realistic coach marriage depictions, right? Cause some of them are quite cringe and bad in many of these, like we've seen, yeah. right. Uh, some of the significant others in sports movies get the kind of like third wheel role in the film. They get like a few scenes and then they don't feel very fleshed out or rounded. And that's not the case for miracle. So great pick moving on next, Justin Peterson, what do you got? All right. Moving on to best sports biopic, uh, had planned on getting, um, raging bull in here, but already off the board. And I was chalking up something good for the hustler. But then I realized that's not based on a true story. So back to the drawing board. And at this point, I don't have any skin in the game. I don't have any blood in the game, proverbial blood. So what the fuck? I'm going to throw caution to the wind and we'll say blood sports going to be my pick here. I saw it for the first time, like just a few years ago, uh, quintessential tournament fighter, Jean-Claude Van Damme. What the heck? Let's, let's, let's get fun. I'm glad oh, someone picked Bloodsport. That's a slick multiple pick off categories. the board. Yeah. Yet, but. That's a good one. There's a good villain you could put in there if you wanted to. Like, oh, there's yeah. underrated pick. Nice soundtrack. Nice job, one of the oh, great yeah. soundtracks of like a bee fighting movie. Like, glad I got an honorable mention there. Yeah, I did not see that one coming at all. Great pick. Let's keep the train rolling. Matt, what do you got? Uh, let's go with best fictional announcers in a sports movie. I don't think this has been said yet, but Buck Laughlin and Trevor Beckwith and Eston Show. <laughs> great choice the, i was gonna pick that one yeah the uh 2000 christopher guest mockumentary comedy film buck laughlin's played by the great fred willard who knocks it out of the park a few years later in anchorman the cast just features a slew of a lot of canadian comedic talents namely eugene levy who also co-wrote the film they don't make christopher guest movies or directors like him anymore and i, I think he directed his films with a certain tongue-in-cheek nature and, and this this being one of them um the two announcers in the film are just 
as insane as the whole plot of the film. And uh, it kind of reminds me, I think, of Dodgeball in a, in a lot of ways. And I'm, I'm uh, trying to run down a, some quotes here where I could... Uh, uh, Buck has a quote. I don't think I could ever get used to being poked in Prada like that. I told my proctologist one time, why don't you take me out to dinner and a movie sometime? Yes, I, I remember you said that last year. That's it. I mean, uh, Fred Willard, what more do you have to say? Uh, the, the late great. What other sport besides a, a dog show, a dog kennel show, uh, needs announcers? Uh, so these two are my pick. Yeah, I looked up some quotes for that, too. One of the great ones is Buck Laughlin. Um, he's with the nurse and he says, do you know the difference between a rectal thermometer and a tongue depressor? The nurse, no. Remind me never to come to you for a physical. <laughs> it's just, it, it's filled with great one-liners. It's so funny. That film, if you watch in the right headspace, will leave you in tears. Great choice. I did already pick that category, but that was my runner-up. I was That was the one I was like, oh, I want that one, but went somewhere else. Moving on. It is my turn again. And I'm having trouble. I think I want to go with biopic, but I got to like, Don feels like the arbiter here, the mediator of the group. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, Let's uh, hear it. Gonna, I think I'm going to have to ask you ready. to consult with you because this is a tough question. I want to spell out my argument for why it works, but oh, I get why it might not. Your... Best sports biopic individual. I want to pick Foxcatcher. Now, the problem here is Foxcatcher is about individuals, right? It's an individual sport. It's about wrestlers. Yeah. But it's kind of like a triangle. It's kind of like a twisted triangle between the coach and two twin brothers, right? Yeah. We have John DuPont played by Steve Carroll. Creepy, creepy performance as a psychopath. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Um, I think it plays because like when you look at your list of like on our sheet here, you've got some movies where I don't want to say ensemble cast, but you've got combinations of people whose movies, those stories are about like Rush, you technically have two guys you're talking about. The fighter, you've got two guys you're talking about. Um, you could go to um 61 and you've got two guys you're talking about where you've got a, a grouping but an individual story, so to speak. I'll get my sombrero and my my Ken Jong. I'll allow it. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you. So so <clears throat> so Foxcatcher is my choice. Justin K, you better pick one that I stayed away from. There's one that I really wanted in this as well that I thought of, but I, I'm, I'm not the competitive sniper always. And there's one that I, if you don't pick, I'm going to be very surprised. That's all I'm going to say. Not to put too much pressure, but uh, there's one I'll be very shocked if you don't pick and I'll, I'll, I'll bring it up later if you don't. So that's my pick. And Jordan, you're next. All right. I'm going to go with, go ahead and just go with our biopic, make that pick out the way. Like I said, I think it is a pretty deep category. A lot of big iconic sports movies out there. We're sticking with just like, I kind of put my list here as like trying to keep it to like the individual. I'm going to go with a personal choice here, The Hurricane uh, with Denzel Washington. Awesome movie. Great soundtrack. Again, another one I was thinking about for soundtrack. Just one of my favorite Denzel performances. There's a lot to choose from. The shape he got into that movie is awesome. It's one of those very moving, just like kind of like a meat and potatoes biopic kind of thing. I'm just cool with watching whenever. So I don't think it's like by any means a classic sports movie, but I think those who have seen it appreciate it. And it's one that they'll kind of remember. So I'm going to stick with the hurricane. Yeah, it's what got me into the Bob Dylan song too. So good pick. Kind of would segue nice into the pick I want Justin to pick. But Justin, you are an autonomous free adult. You do not have to get my nudge and Gabriel with it. So I want to hear your picks. I don't know what you're getting at, but here I now have the opportunity to pick two movies that I absolutely love. And I'm super excited to do this. First one is in best character name or nickname in a sports movie and picking in a very weird way, as I have been this whole time. I'm picking Ali 
And the name is Drew Bundini Brown, uh, the character played by Jamie Foxx and what a ridiculous character he is. And he has this the best opening line uh, in any movie ever, which comes in the best opening, I think, to any movie ever. The first 10 minute montage of that film he calls himself Bundini, rhymes with Houdini. He was a Jew, too. Some other people call me Fast Black or Daddy Mac. Shorty sent me to Sugar Ray Robinson. I gave my power to Sugar Ray for seven years, gave him my voodoo, my magic. Anyway, I love it. It's great. Jamie Foxx is incredible. Bundini Brown is my pick for character name or nickname in a sports movie. I have other ones too. We'll get to I, I, some of these categories for me are deeper than others. But for futuristic race game show or sport invented for a movie, I get a chance to pick one of my favorite movies, which is Speed Racer, uh, oh. which is uh, ridiculous, assaultive, uh, torturous, but also brilliant cgi laden movie which feels like it is in 3d but it is totally not a 3d movie part of the reason is because they're just layering focus stacked images one after the other compositing them together uh to create i don't even know what the sport is called but now i'm realizing i have two racing movies which is wild to me because i'm not like a fan of racing per se my son is but now i have two racing movies and i'm super excited about that so those are my two picks Justin, I got a question for you about Speed Racer. Do you think that the film is a good portrayal of the anime? You know, here's the thing. I watched the TV show as a kid, but I don't I never read the comic. So I can't comment on that question. I just think of it as a formalist exercise. That's the way I think of it. But what what do you think? I mean, I you 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 seem to know the material better. Well, a- I mean, anime was the TV show. So so okay. you have seen it. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty pretty decent portrayal i think obviously you know you're taking an anime that's from the 60s in japan and you go late 2000s and doing live action for it it's you know it's definitely different genre obviously you know you got japanese ideas and mindset and vision as opposed to a western hollywood mindset and vision but i think it i think it does a decent job i wouldn't say that you know it's a top-notch translation but I, it's enjoyable. I, I think it's it's a pretty good. But I wouldn't say it's like elite. I guess if you're if you're translating from animation to live action. Yeah, I mean it's weird because it feels like an animated movie, even though it's it's live action. And I think a lot of that is because of what they're doing with the weird compositing. Anyway, I I actually only saw it recently, and it seriously assaulted my eyeballs mm-hmm. in, in the best possible way. I felt like afterwards i needed to i don't know stare at a blank wall for 20 minutes to just decompress but the final race was was exhilarating i don't know i i hadn't really felt that way about you know a race sequence in a movie and impressive achievement in in that regard but yeah i don't know how really i mean i I, the thing is as far as adaptations go yeah it it feels very different from the tv show at least so which is kind of slow yeah, we covered it. We love it. I was going to pick it almost as a call out too to Jed, who had car issues and had to bail out last second because it's his absolute favorite. It's a cult classic for fair reasons. Based on sheer creativity and like sheer tour de force filmmaking, it's kind of unrivaled. It's kind of unparalleled. It's its own entity. There's nothing like it. I mean, yes, The Matrix will always be the Wachowskis, their claim to fame. But I think for some, Speed Racer is where they like truly pushed certain boxes or certain thresholds to the extreme. And that's crazy to say because you can't downplay how groundbreaking the Matrix was. You can never do that. I'm not trying to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think for some, 
speed racer just blows their mind. As you said, you need to stare at a wall, a blank wall for 20 minutes just to decompress. And yeah, like the deadly cross country rally races are just so candy colored so much like, like Mario Kart, the movie at times for me, cause I saw it young and that doesn't sound that interesting, but it is. And great choice. I'm glad you took it. Cause um, I have so many choices in that category that I felt compelled to take it and I want to take it and it is a winner, but I also want to take other ones as well. So love it. Okay. Moving on. Jordan, you got another one. Okay. I'm going to check looking at the best hill, best villain. There's a lot of big, big guns in that one for sure. I'm not going to name names. You all see them on there that are on the top of every of these lists. But I want to change these lists because I'm going to go with a more recent one that maybe hasn't caught on yet. But it's definitely like the most like most hard portrayal of a villain I've seen in a while in a sports pick. And I'm going to go with Lavana Harding and I, Tanya, as just the absolute antagonist to Tanya throughout the whole movie, as well as her inspiration of something to get over. Uh, the crux you don't want in your life, but you need in your life to get to where you have to go somehow. Um, yeah, I, I, that, that's one of those movies that, uh, that that's kind of comes down to recency, recency bias, but it's, yeah, her performance definitely stuck with me. She's pretty bad, actually, in that one. So I'm going to go with that one. I, think, I, hope, I hope that one ages well. Is how, how I'm going to frame that one. Absolutely. I love Itania. I'm glad it's on the board. I almost picked it for like three different categories. Uh, Matt, were you just giving a timeout? What was that gesture, Matt? That was like, uh, I, I'm I know, curious. Yeah. No, that was deceptive. I was just doing the T for Tanya. I like that. Ah, I thought you were doing a timeout. Like, wait, hold on. You piqued my interest there. Um, yeah. I thought he was gonna Zach Morris. Like, she was the whole hero podcast that, with free. All right. Yeah. Um, anyways, I'm I'm right back on the board. I'm going with best romance and sports movies. I kind of want to do a Ron Shelton one as well, but I'm not. I'm gonna do love and basketball. Very glad this is not off the board yet. Monica played by Sana Lathan and Quincy played by Omar Epps. Uh, they're childhood friends. It has a great arc with them starting with a pickup basketball game and ending with a pickup basketball game. It's one of the great coming of age romance stories. Their relationship goes through so many phases that makes you so nostalgic and reflective on your own childhood and like what romance means at different ages. It means something at 12. It means something at 15. It means something at 18. It means something at 21 intertwined with what sports means at all these times in your life. And also has some interesting subtext on what female sports are to our culture and what male sports are to our culture and what you have to do or go through in each of these realms, even if you are both equally talented for your gender. Um, and it's so nicely juxtaposed without being ham-fisted on that level. Just a beautiful film. A great, great debut. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm just so glad that wasn't taken off the board. So I'm going with love and basketball. We're getting down closer to the end. So yeah. Matt, what I'm do you surprised got? that I'm, I'm surprised that romance thing off the board earlier. It's such a like romance first sports movie in that one, if anything. Yeah, thank you. You're you're putting my stock up on that one. So I appreciate it, <laughs> <laughs> Um, Matt, what do you got for us? All's fair in love and basketball, and all's fair in, with uh, best character names or nicknames in a sports movie. We used Shooter McGavin. I think uh, Justin used it earlier for best villain. Can I use it as a nickname or is a what, what's the rule? Is it off limits? I had him on my list as a nickname and as a villain. Okay, mm -hmm. you could, you could do both. You could do both. That is a different category, so you yeah. can do both. You could even do okay. Happy Gilmore too. I, yeah. I just realized, <laughs> but you not or Chubbs. There's so many in that movie. <laughs> this is a tough one. I I will say right now, I regret my choice as I'm going back. To Ensemble my nicknames. The nicknames yeah. is the hardest one. So I'm going to go Shooter McGavin, Happy Gilmore. 
I mean, the name is incredible. I, I think <laughs> it has a certain rhythmic quality to it that is going to be repeated for eternity. And I think is part of the reason why it's such a memorable character is that it's great to say Shooter McGavin. It kind of flows off the tongue quite easily. And uh, as Justin alluded to, it, it's great that Christopher McDonald was game to do this movie. And I think he appeared in just so many 90s movies, mostly as a villain or as a dad yep. in uh, teen comedies, whether it was House Arrest or Leave it to Beaver, uh, which I saw opening weekend to, to my chagrin, or The Faculty as Elijah Wood's dad or as a was villain. Like SLC Punk as the dad again, like the yeah, lawyer the, dad to the punk kid. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, Terminal Velocity as a bleach blonde hair villain. as like the fourth villain of that movie behind Gandolfini and a couple others. But here he was again, this time in a comedy. And I think his like over the top persona worked so well with the Adam Sandler oeuvre that it, it made a match made in heaven. The, the, there's something about also being on the golf course, the ridiculousness with which McDonald brings it every scene. I don't think he ever lived up to this role. Maybe Requiem for a Dream comes close, but this was the greatest villain, as Justin said, but also, the, I think, the greatest name or, or up there. So, shooter. Epic yeah. and not a duplicate. They're two different categories. We are allowed to do that. Excellent choice. Uh, let's keep this thing rolling. Justin, what do you got? All right. I'm going with the uh, best uh, soundtrack here. And Don didn't pick it, so I guess I will. Uh, Jerry Goldsmith's Rudy score. Um, what can I say about this? The fact that it's it does have kind of a um, same quality throughout, but constantly builds to these endlessly inspirational moments. You got that gorgeous campus, campus there, Notre Dame, um, to, uh, you know, fuel the visuals there. And gosh, Rudy, great movie. Jerry Goldsmith, excellent composer. And um, while, you know, you can hum that Rudy tune in your head, I mean, why wouldn't you want to? Love it. Such a good, such a good choice. Amazing choice. Mikey, what, what do you got next for us? I wanted to say this one to the end because I feel like even though it's a category that's very deep and that's best heel sports villain, it's one that I don't think most people are going to think of immediately as being the main villain of this film. But if you really think about it in reality, he is the villain of the film and that's Rocky four, but it's Nikolai Koloff who is the Soviet diplomat. He's the trainer and promoter and manager of Ivan Drago. He's the one that is behind everything that Drago does. Essentially. He's the one that, you know, pumps him full of steroids. He's the one that, you know, encourages him to basically, you know, destroy Apollo Creed and ultimately leads to his death. And he's the one that wants to ultimately take down the American champion, Rocky Balboa. And, you know, he has these great iconic lines, both in Russian and in English. You know, he says, uh, you know, of Drago, he says, it's a matter of size evolution, isn't it? Drago is the most perfectly trained athlete ever. The other man has not the size, the strength or the genetics to win. It is physically impossible for this little man to win. Talking about Rocky. Drago is a look at the future. And even just the way he insults Drago at the end of the fight with Rocky. He says, listen to them. Our people cheer for him, you idiot. He's the one that does all these things. And I really caught that he is the villain of the film, more so after watching Creed 2, when you see Drago and, and his son and where he ends up after the fight with Rocky. You know, we see kind of where he ends up in Russia because of that loss 
and it's really the the trainer Koloff who just kind of leaves him to solitary confinement of sorts. Uh, and, and especially too, when you see the director's cut of Rocky Four, you you see that too, where it's really Nikolai Koloff who is the villain of the film. So for me, that's that's my pick. I'm gonna clap. That's a really good pick. Yeah, good yeah. pick. I completely reimagine the way I'm gonna watch like Rocky next time for like the villainous like coach and all that. That's a really right. good. Of that, of that movie i honestly never really thought of that much i always yeah. think I, ivan drago is the bad guy you know always i, I thought uh, what you thought like as a read of the movie you're right yeah. i mean yeah yeah while the iconography is totally on drago you know i get it yeah good one love it yeah, so yeah, I, I really i really say it's the director's cut if you have not seen rocky huh. for rocky versus drago uh you know it came out just a couple years ago highly recommend it really Go good check it. yeah check it out amazon prime you'll find it there oh okay all right, Don, oh, you got you. Two in my last two. Um, as a name, I have name and announcer left. As a name, I'm stunned because it's the title of the movie, and it's the most iconic sports movie character we've ever had. And he also has a really good nickname. I don't know how you don't pick the Italian stallion, Rocky Balboa. I mean, to get this far down, I'm stunned. So I got two. I got two. Um, I, I Don't get me wrong. As, a, as the kid who was the waterboard, Bobby Boucher is really tempting, but Rocky Balboa, come on. And then my weakest pick, my last pick, I'm the last person to take an answer. This one's just for me because uh, I'm a 90s kid and I was an eight, you know, I'm 44 years old. So I enjoy Rob Schneider just cracking wise and necessary roughness as Chuck Niederman. Um, you know, Kimmy breaks in the backfield, fumble, fumble, Laya, fumble, Ruski, all those just lines he has. That's typical Bush League college. Just do what you can to make the sport and the bad college games or the bad minor league baseball games interesting. Um, between him or Jim Carr, you know, those are those like just on the end of their rope, just trying to make it interesting kind of announcers. And, you know, if you're going to pick announcers last, that's as low as I'll go. So Chuck Niederman for necessary roughness. Awesome. Awesome. All right. We are on now the final I round. Know. So now we're going backwards. These are our last picks. Don. You slayed. Good job, Mikey. What's your very last pick? Well, I wanted to say best sports biopic individual for last because I feel like it's like the best pitcher. You know, in the Oscars, the best pitcher is always announced last. So I wanted to save it for, for here. And there's so many films that are on the board that are my personal favorites that I could pick from. But I wanted to go with one that is both an iconic film and an iconic performance and a breakout performance. And that's 42, the biopic of Jackie Robinson. And we, it is the film that Chadwick Boseman really first came into prominence. You know, now he's best known as T'Challa in Black Panther. But for me, Jackie Robinson, his performance in 42 is so iconic. It is the one that really put him on the map as being an elite actor. And you look at the cast there as well. Besides him, you got Harrison Ford as Branch Rickey. You got Christopher Maloney, who, you know, from Oz and Law and Order SVU plays Leo DeRocher. You got Lucas Black as Pee Wee Reese. You got Alan Tudyk, who is the, you know, the racist guy who is one of the opponents for Jackie Robinson. You know, he does a great job in it. All up and down the cast. Even Brett Cullen is in the cast as well. Just iconic cast, iconic story super you know relevant film you know even though it's 10 years now it's been since since that film released it's a film that really resonates because jackie robinson's story still resonates to this day just a great film and and i had to get you know highlight chadwick boseman because he's one of my favorite actors and still miss him 
just wanted to make sure that he get, gets his love and gets his flowers even today. So 42, that's my pick. Excellent choice. It just came back into the theaters this year, so I was able to see it for the first time. And yeah, just such a classic sports movie. Very well done, well made, well executed, well acted. Yeah, great choice. Let's move forward. We got Justin. What's your very last pick? I'm ashamed to say, guys, that uh, I'm a little flamed out at this point. And um, this is my mystery relevant pick. So I'm going to go with the best, the most talented thing on the board, which I guess will be the Hunger Games. Definitely a shot in the arm for the YA genre in general. I think it's better than Battle Royale. It really sparked, you know, uh, Jennifer Lawrence's career. And um, I think they're very tactful with, you know, showing youth on youth violence, but I mean, doing a little shaky cam and, you know, there's some interesting nuance in there. I mean, it's a popcorn sci-fi flick, but um, I think it has some, um, has some teeth to it. I'll go with Hunger Games. Great pick. That's for best futuristic game show slash sports. Moving forward, Matt, what's your very last pick? So the last category I've left is uh, best futuristic race, game show, or sport invented for movies. It took George Lucas a long time between movies. So we're going to go back to the best movie year ever, quote unquote. It's 1999 and uh, it's Darth Maul. It's Qui-Gon Jinn. It's Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. Nice. This movie, I think, gets unfairly clumped as a clunker, as a failure. In the context of the films that he made following it, I think it looks really good and it plays really well as sort of a campy comedy. And there's so many parts of this movie that I love, namely the pod race. And uh, the pod race in this film is just so well designed, uh, so well executed. If it took George Lucas 20 plus years to just get this scene right, I think he did that. At least he accomplished that feat. It's the story of Anakin Skywalker. It got us a great weird Al cover. Uh, Mm -hmm. where he renditioned American Pie over this song. Darth Maul had two lightsabers when he was going at, you know, Ewan McGregor and Liam Neeson at the end there. Uh, It is an absurd movie. Jar Jar Binks uh, might be a detriment to society and Tatooine at large. But um, (laughs) I loved seeing this in the theater. And out of all the Star Wars movies that have come out, I think in the last 25, 30 years, I like that this one doesn't really take, take itself too seriously. And I'd be really excited to rewatch it. Um, and this pod race really knocks it out of the park. Uh, Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin, I believe, was sort of the star at the Oscars that following year. And uh, what a uh, entertaining, ridiculous misfire of a movie. But you kind of love to see it because now everything is so self-serious and so curated. And we've got Colin Trevorrow and J.J. Uh, Abrams and people like that making movies where it was nice to see Lucas kind of have at it. Uh, and we got one of the best N64 games with the uh, pod racing. Uh, that, that to me is one of my favorites. You know, oh, when yeah. I was in college, it, that GoldenEye and <laughs> Mario Kart, those were like the three on regular rotation and playing. Absolutely. I remember Paul had that one on the 64. Yeah, yeah. great game. Um, and the pod race is uh, modeled off of the Ben-Hur chariot race. So, Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> And that is heavily featured in any given Sunday. Maybe my favorite sports movie in a weird (laughs) scene (laughs) because it's playing on the TV in the background when Steeman Willie Beeman, great nickname. No one picked that one shows up. So I guess we all left best futuristic race game show or sport invented for movies last. I have it as well. There's a ton on here that I want. There's so many. There's one that no one will pick, so I'll bring it up real quick because we covered it. There's jugging from Blood of Heroes. Great sport. But I'm going to go with the quirky one. I saw this recently. 
I'm going to go with Whack Bat from the Fantastic Mr. Fox. I think it's actually a critical part of that movie. Um, I love the delineated, I guess, montage where he lays out how this game is played. Right. We, we hear the rules explained by Coach Skip. It also creates the father-son dynamic so well, right? Because Mr. Fox was once the greatest whackback player in history, and his son is definitely not sporty. So they have that classic, like the dad's an athlete, the son is a kind of nerd or non-athlete, and that <laughs> creates a tension in the family. It's just also so creatively explained in that one scene. Um, it's quintessential uh, Wes Anderson making something so ornate, so overwrought in the best way imaginable. I know overwrought has negative connotations, but I meant that positively. Just creating this intricate sport and comically mapping it out for you. So I love that one. I think Owen Wilson explains it, right? And it's so so yes. deadpan in his delivery of this ultra complicated game yeah. for you for Rigged Wes Anderson into a sports draft. <laughs> it was funny because the two I was debating between that and the Northman, and it couldn't be any more on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> Because the Northman is so brutally violent and amazing, but completely opposite. Yeah. <laughs> With the bats and, oh, that oh, scene. Uh, well, I, all right. I will say yeah. the uh, the real steel fight with, you know, uh, the robots yeah. and uh, Hugh Jackman, you know, really ridiculous film. And one of the funniest things with that film is the promotion of it brought it to WWE. And one of the most iconic moments in WWE history uh, with Zack Ryder, who's Matt, Matt Cardona in real life. He's like the underdog kind of a guy. And so Hugh Jackman was like the Raw general manager. He was like the guest host at, uh, <laughs> on one episode of Raw. And he was promoting the film. And he was in Zack Ryder's corner. And he helped Zack Ryder win by <laughs> like throwing a punch and knocking out. I think it was Dolph Ziggler, who's his opponent at the time. <laughs> and it was just ridiculous. And it was just funny. And just remembering that film, I remember that moment in WWE. So it's just nice cross-promotional synergy yeah. there. And so great little moment. I just had to bring that up. It's such a great, great category. Yeah. I yeah. thought the running man might have some play there. Me too. I thought, yeah, too. Um, uh, what was the other one? The other, I had one in mind. Uh, well, I mean, Rollerball is just a 70s movie, but just the title. Everyone hears Rollerball. Mm. Or um, I was going to double down in Tron where even Disc Wars is really, really good as a as a sport. You know, I know Light Cycles got taken by Justin or Mikey, right? I think so. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. And Motorball to go with Rollerball. Motorball and Alita Battle Angel is maybe a hodgepodge of a lot. It maybe it's derivative, but it's pretty badass. I saw that in mm. IMAX and I was like, whether you like that movie or not, Motorball is pretty pretty awesome. All right. Before we still too much thunder, um, and we'll get a, do some honorable mentions right after we have our last two picks. Jordan, what's your very last pick? All right. So my last one was Romance. Um, like I said, I feel like there's a lot of angles. You can go at this one. But there is a movie I want to get on the board, and I do think this is one of the better romances, and that is Happy Gilmore and Virginia Bennett. <laughs> one of the best romances. Such a big part. Happy gets dumped by his horrible girlfriend right then he you know he's got to do all this work to meet this hot pr person on the golf course and right it's a classic story of you know play hockey chicks take hockey players i guess but you know, you know it has everything you want about it like i love it i love the scene when she's bringing him the beer and it gets corrupted by shooter mcgavin eventually right it has so many of these just like kind of like we say these cringy sports cliches but it ends in like the feel-good story happy gets the girl you know they get the house. They, she helps him save the house. She learns to love them all. It's, it's one of those ones I think stood out. And like Julie Bowen is awesome in that movie. She's great as Claire on Modern Family. Uh, I think people always forget about that now that she's kind of moved on to that. But I think it's like an underrated like romance. Just just part of a great comedy story. And it's something that like 
Adam Sandler used to be pretty good at in the 90s with his comedies. Finding the, the, the low-hanging fruit with the romance angle and just making it like, you know, like just milking and making it funny. So I'm going to stick with that one. Uh, Virginia Bennett and Happy Gilmore. It's such a memorable one. And one that uh, Cows in the Field talks about at length on their Happy Gilmore podcast. <laughs> you guys do a deep, pretty deep dive into that relationship. But I think by my count, Happy Gilmore was the most drafted film. I'll get you that deed in a little bit. I'm in the background okay. getting okay. all the results here. I'll let I you know. I think it is too. I'm closing it out here and, I, and I've got best locker room speech now. Okay, so this is going to be controversial. So I got a backup lined up if you're going to if you're going to balk because it's not a speech. It does take place in a locker room and it is in a borderline sports movie. But on the other hand, it's one of my favorite movies. I talked about it with Cinematic Underdogs. And the movie is Nacho Libre. And the scene is Nacho sings to Esquilito in the locker room. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's singing. He, okay, so here's well, here's the pitch. So, you know, locker room speeches are supposed to get you juiced up for the big for the big fight or whatever, the big, you know, um, match. And um, Nacho's juicing himself up. He's singing a song, and the song, I sing it on the episode. Uh, I'm not going to sing it here. So that's another pitch to listen to the Cinematic Underdogs Nacho Libre episode. I do sing the song for uh, for the for the crew. But yeah, so that's uh, that's my pitch. My backup would have been, nobody picked Friday Night Lights, right? So that was, would have been yeah, my backup. Speech. That's a real speech. but um, And a great speech, a classic. I know Aaron probably would have picked that for sure if he was on. But yes, I'm glad you, you picked Nacho Libre. Call out to that episode. It totally works for me. So you didn't have to preface that, but being fair. And and Don had its bell ready for everyone to, yeah, I was to right. call I was it ready out. To buzz. The bell was throwing me off there. I was like looking at the, it was freaking me <laughs> out. Um, okay. But yeah, anyway, that's my pick. So do we recap now? Yeah. Yes. We recap really quick before recapping any honorable mentions. Let's try to go quick with this. But did anyone have any, like, I have to give this out there, Matt? Oh. I'm surprised that Talladega Knights was so absent from this draft. Such I, an piss, I piss excellence, though, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Is the dinner per eight pound oh, that 12, a good one. Jesus? You know, but that's not like a locker room speech. So, also, Villain got a. I don't What's the French guy? I mean, what's his name? Jean, Jean Renard. Renard. Right, right. Or Jean Gerard. Yeah, yeah, it, it could have been a better name, but Ricky Bobby, I almost picked as a best character name or nickname in a sports yeah. movie, um, but I couldn't say no to Shooter. Yeah, um, and I was gonna go with Running Man, Paul. If I was going for the cinephile vote, that's that's the pick. Crazy was directed by the guy who played Starsky and Starsky and Hutch, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Hauser. I think there's a middle name there. But uh, the other thing, um, I wanted to pick Kathy Bates and Adam Sandler as a. I mean, they sort of have the romance if you think about it in Waterboy. <laughs> it's not Feruza Balk's character in Adam Sandler. Cause, I don't uh, know. She gets to, you know, blow him on her lawnmower at the end of the movie. So, you know, <laughs> seems pretty romantic to me. You can do it. <laughs> you can do it, Ricky Bobby. Bite his fucking head off. The best quotes in the movie, easily. But uh, I think Kathy Bates, I mean, what an incredible career that she is game to knock it out. Anytime she has a comedic role, she seems to be one of the best parts of the movie. And she's so good as the mom, um, as the kind of protective mom figure where we we talk about a lot of uh, father-son movies throughout this draft but um kathy bates nails the uh, helicopter parent who doesn't want her little boy to grow up quite yet so um if i'm throwing out another just fun one low on the list but a speech i i know it's short but pain heels chick dig scars from the replacements is a fun one i mean mm. the wrestler um nothing for Moneyball tonight kind of got shut out i thought they would get in the biopic department or someone would kind of nab that 
Yeah, there's some prestige out there, and then there's some Americana out there in both places where I think Varsity Blues was shut out tonight, Karate Kid shut out tonight, uh, The Natural shut out tonight, Slapshot shut out tonight. That one surprised me. I had Slapshot yeah. in a lot of categories. I, I thought I'd sit on one, but I almost had Jim Parr. But, you know, just, just when you get. All right. Definitely got to give a shout out to my uh, Cool Runnings as a 90s uh, inspirational fan there for sure. I see pride. I see power. I see a badass mother who don't take no crap from nobody. Um, I was going to pick a Ducks Fly Together, but the cheese factor was bubbling up a little bit too much for me. And although that was a life-changing moment for me as a kid for the the Mighty Ducks to go out in those professional uniforms, I guess it was kind of undercut when I found out about the commercialism that, uh, you know, was pretty apparent otherwise but um my deep cut would be um john madden from little giants it's real simple he says any advice for us coach good luck we just go out there and have fun and do our best and i think that's a very um minimalistic view of sports that maybe people should take more to heart yeah nice with that one man i also was wondering if anyone could pick cool runnings for best speech and ducks fly together two great ones Justin, the one that I was wondering that you would probably pick for best sports biopic was Ali. I know you love Ali. That's what I was that, trying to do. Totally. I, that, but I had to, I wanted to, you know, spread the wealth. So I had Ali for, for the nickname. But for the nick- uh, yeah, yes, yes. And so, so I was, for sure, it was, I was trying to figure out how to get my favorite weirdo sports movies in the mix. Awesome. Good choice. Um, for best villain, the one that I was really struggling with was I wanted to do Ernie McCracken. No Kingpin choices. Uh, here. I was thinking about that. Yes. I wanted him really bad. Also, a decent <laughs> nickname. Yeah, that was another one I struggled over. Um, that hair. That category. I also wanted to take Chong Lee from Bloodsport. Yeah, that's what I really wanted to do for yes. villain. But... Guy with the largest pecs of all time. Right. right? <laughs> the way he'd move them too. Just... <laughs> he was he was literally like a video game villain in a movie. Before. That was like a common trope. Glad no one picked these, but like I was a little surprised that no one picked Chariots of Fire, the Vangelis score. It's so famous and mm-hmm. iconic. Um, also, Field of Dreams, the James Warner score is pretty memorable there. Yeah. Um, I thought with this group, I thought you would take Angels in the Outfield possibly on that one, because that is a pretty good score. Oh, yeah. I feel like um, as I was going through that, I was like, that was one that was tugging at the strings of just like, I actually like that score and it's very moving. That was a fun one because we kind of like both chose scores and soundtracks. I guess they're the same if they're thrown onto a soundtrack, but I guess we could have specified that as well, right? Because you have mm-hmm. the like composer and then you have the space jam and the two very different things. But yeah. I, I'm I'm down with that. Yeah. So any any other ones? Last honorable mention from anyone? I was gonna say I've got a couple. One is uh, and it was brought up because of Days of Thunder, but best name Rowdy Burns, Michael Rooker's character is just. It's iconic, and you know a lot of people think Yondu for Michael Rooker. For me, I always think Rowdy Burns because just his role here. And then best villain too in Days of Thunder is Russ Wheeler, Terry Ewells. You know he's just so so much the villain in that film, but as opposed to Cole Trickle, uh, just an iconic villain there as well. And then looking at the the best picture list, uh, sports biopic. There were so many that I wanted to pick, and I was ready to pick if 42 went off the board, like The Rookie, American Underdog, Ali, even like Rush, which is a film that I feel like is very underrated with, you know, the Formula One film with about Nikki Lauda and James Hunt. You know, it's got Daniel Brühl and Chris Hemsworth, just an iconic film, and especially now with uh, Formula One getting its uh, prominence with Drive to Survive. And it's you know so much iconic characters now in racing with Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton and, and all of them. That film that Ron Howard directed, you know, ten years ago, I feel like is even more a film that it's it's an enjoyable film and also just 
uh, tells a very compelling story. So that's one that's definitely an honorable mention for me. I'll pile on one more Days of Thunder. The Rubin son is racing locker room speech, even though it's through a headset. It counts as locker room speech. I would do that one. He didn't nudge. He didn't rub. He, he didn't bump. He rubbed. Rubin son is racing. Rubin is racing. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Awesome. Well, I love it. We've had such great input too. Not only good choices, but I care more about the conversation. And we had such interesting takes. Like, there's going to be people who pick winners whenever we put this up based on just like your scoreboard. But I mean, I feel like it's like the answer. It's the way you contextualize your choice that that, that truly, like, to me, triumphs a, a good pick. All right, so now we're ready to all reveal our final picks. So let's just run it down, explain every pick you did tonight, and we'll start with Justin because you went first. All right, hi, Justin Koo with Cows in the Field. Uh, best biopic I have searching for Bobby Fischer, heel villain Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore, speech, Nacho Libre singing in the locker room, announcers, the guys from Semi Pro, soundtrack, Gladiator, Name or nickname, Drew Bundini Brown from Ali. Invented sport, speed racer, and romance. I have days of thunder. All right. Uh, for Jordan's team, for best biopic, I pick The Hurricane. For heel villain, Mrs. Harding from I, Tonya. Best speech, El Pacino in Any Given Sunday. Uh, announcer, Cotton from Dodgeball. Soundtrack, the Space Jam soundtrack. Best nickname, uh, Dean Youngblood from Youngblood. Invented sport, basketball from Basketball. And romance, Happy Gilmore and Virginia Bennett from Happy Gilmore. Awesome. All right. It's Paul. Here are mine. Best biopic, Foxcatcher. Best heel slash villain, Spike from Little Giants. Best speech, uh, the speech by the, the janitor in Rudy. Best announcers, I got Ranch Wilder from Angels in the Outfield. Best soundtrack, Explosions in the Sky from Friday Night Lights. Best name nickname in a sports movie is The Dude from The Big Lebowski. Best invented sport is Whackbat from Fantastic Mr. Fox. And best romance is Love and Basketball. I'm not making a second all's fair in Love and Basketball joke, but I am up next. Under best biopic, Raging Bull. Best heel slash villain, Teddy KGB. Best speech, Field of Dreams. James Earl Jones gives it. Uh, best announcers, fictional announcers in a sports movie. Best in show. The best soundtrack in a sports movie, uh, the Aaron Copland scored and Public Enemy featured He Got Game by Spike Lee. The best nickname, Shooter McGavin. The best invented sport, pod racing, of course. And the best romance, Bull Durham. I always love it, of course, thrown in there. (laughs) Justin. Mm -hmm. All right. Justin here from the Average Joe's Movie Club cast. For my best biopic, I went with Bloodsport. Best villain, I went with Kevin O'Shea from The Little Giants. For speech, I went with Mighty Ducks 1, the, spe- uh, the conversation between Coach Bombay and Charlie right before the shot. Uh, announcers, I went with John Candy from Rookie of the Year. Soundtrack, Rudy. Uh, Killing Me Smalls was my nickname from... Um, the Sandlot, Hunger Games for futuristic dy- dystopian sport, and Rocky and Adrian for romance. And I'm up next, Mikey from Screen Nerds Podcast. Uh, best sports biopic, I went with 42. Heel slash villain, I went with Nikolai Koloff from Rocky IV. Uh, for best speech, I went with Herb Brooks in Miracle, The Great Moments. Uh, announcers, I went with Harry Doyle, Bob Uecker from Major League. Soundtrack, went with Rocky IV. Best name slash nickname, Wild Thing, Ricky Vaughn. Uh, best Invented Sport, Light Cycles from Tron. And then Romance, Herb and Petty Brooks from Miracle. 
Uh, Don Shanahan, Cinephile Hissy Fit, uh, feature winner of this poll. Um, for biopic, I put Rudy. Uh, for healer villain, I have White Goodman from Dodgeball. For the speech, I have There's No Crying in Baseball from A League of Their Own. For announcers, I have Chuck Niederman from Necessary Roughness. For the soundtrack, I have the sweet sounds of Remember the Titans. For the nickname or name, I have Rocky the Italian Stallion Balboa. Uh, for Invented Sport, I have Quidditch from the Harry Potter series. And for Romance, I have Jerry Maguire. What a draft board. That's a pretty draft board I'm looking at right now. Great picks, everyone. Thanks for joining our 100th episode. It was such a perfect group to get together. We had I had a blast. I know uh, Jordan had a blast. And, oh, I'm rosterbating uh, right now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he's he's rosterbating. El Pacino in the first. Yes. <laughs> uh, a quick shout out. What, what's that show that you watched? What's that the reference league. to? The League. Classic show. Uh, we had a blast doing also our 100 episodes with all y'all. And we had so much interest in this that we're going to have another draft coming up pretty soon with a group that couldn't make it tonight. But once again, thank you to Justin from Cows in the Field, Justin from the Average Joe's Movie Clubcast, Dawn from Cinephile Hissy Fit, Matt, producer, film writer, and Mikey from Screen Nerds Pod. Jordan, anything last words for 100th show? Anything to a toast or something? I mean, 200 more. And to covering those films, we always say we're going to cover, of course, you know, <laughs> to our to-do list. But again, thank you guys for joining us. Cheers, of course, to our to our group and our listeners. And of course, uh, make sure you vote. Vote and let, let them know why Happy Gilmore and Virginia are the greatest love story ever. Get it out there. Without further ado, peace. Thanks for listening. Here's 100 more. Cheers, y'all. <laughs>